Dana. Mm, yes. Tim Turner's sick. Can't work tonight. Who's the replacement? Chuck Kimmel. Kimmel? <laughs> You're kidding. No, who is he? The Cut Man. The Cut Man? The Cut Man. Well, he was already in Atlantic City. I'm assuming drunk and asleep at the slots. As a matter of fact, he was. Who's the Cut Man? Claims he was a corner man for Rocky Marciano. He's never met Rocky Marciano. He gave himself the name Cut Man. Can't give yourself a nickname. Don't I know it? All right, moving on. You don't think I'd like to be called the Hammer? Isaac? I would, Dana. I'd like to be called the Hammer. You know why I'm not? You can't give yourself a nickname. You can't give yourself a nickname. Okay. Also, that one's taken. That's right. Hank Aaron. The supplemental rundown. Hammerin' Hank. Yes. Nickname? Take. You could be another tool, Isaac. Like what? Phillips head screwdriver? No, I don't know. Flyer. Natalie? Okay. Tell you what? Why don't we stretch our legs and do this in half an hour? How about hammer? Natalie? No, that one's taken. It is. It is five minutes and 18 seconds after the end. <laughs> that was five seconds into the show and I lost control. I was like, isn't it really dark in here? <laughs> oh, here you go. Hold on, everybody, stop. So we just we were just beginning the show just now. Hold on. Can you turn this off for just a second? And we'll start this bumper music. We'll start the Dream Theater again. Here's what just happened. So the Dream Theater began playing just now. We had the whole sports night lead up, and I was getting ready to do my whole opening rap and my whatever. And Sarah, because the studio is a little dimly lit today, and nobody could really figure out why, because like idiots, we hadn't bothered to look up. <laughs> and then Sarah pointed up, and she said, she didn't, you know, the mics are on, so she didn't say anything. You just pointed up, and you sort of mimed pointing at the ceiling to indicate that a light was out. And I think Tim didn't really see what you were pointing at. So Tim just saw that you were pointing up at the, at the ceiling for some reason, and so Tim then started craning his neck, looking all around the room to see whatever the interesting thing was. So there was this great sort of alley-oop where you looked at me, I looked at you, you pointed at the light, I looked up at the light, and then Tim started looking all around the room as though there was something flying around. Well, it's so dark at the board. I'm like, is it always this dark? Am I just something wrong with my eyes today? It does feel more than ever today like uh, like we're on the side of the Charlie Rose Scotty show. Scotty Jay's in here to replace the light bulb. <laughs> All right. Shall we begin again? All right. Yeah. Well, all right then. Hi there. It's six minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this, the month of July, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, the honorably ostentatious studios of AM 970. The Talker. 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 It's uh, 503-733-2970. You'd like to join us today. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into comedy. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. It is Wednesday. And welcome to Day 12. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's uh, 503-733-2970. If you want to uh, email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com, sarah at 970.am, tim at 970.am, or richie with a t at 970.am. Speaking of Richie, he is uh, standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. Or, And I was just, before the show, I was looking at this, I was looking back at this stack of girls that he printed out from this brothel website from Las Vegas. 
And I kind of forgot how weirdly, horrifically off-putting this red-headed woman was. i got to turn it over. It's sort of like the eyes follow me no matter where I go in the studio. I have to turn it face down. Um, so we'll talk more to Richie about that later on. Uh, coming up later on today in the program as well, we will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, also, Steve Kastenbaum, who's going to be... It doesn't even seem like it's that time again, but I guess that, that Nathan's famous like the hot dog eating contest, which I guess is July 4th thing. So that's coming up uh, this Friday. Don't forget, this coming Friday, we will be here uh, live doing the program as we always do on the 4th of July, our annual Christmas in July show. Uh, we'll be playing back uh, behind the Christmas. Uh, we'll also be playing back last December's live radio play, Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her. Um... We may or may not have this new Christmas production ready in time. I, I mean, Timmy Ryan and I were working on it a little bit last night, trying to get the sort of the technical underpinnings put together, and it's it's not really working out for us. But we're going to give it the old college try. Uh, let's see uh, what else is coming up today. Uh, we didn't get to yesterday's top five. Go figure. So we'll do that today. Uh, we have the top five album closing songs uh, that are not a day in the life. Uh, the top five songs that close an album, not including a day in the life. Uh, we will be talking to somebody. From TMZ today, isn't that right? At some point, see, I thought it was Thursday. I thought it was Thursday because it was instead of Dorothy Carcassari, who's on vacation this week, and blah, 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 blah. Richie says that it's today. If only there was some way with, if only there was some way I could communicate with Richie while still standing here in the studio. Oh, Rick, I believe there is a way. That brings us to this. So let me just put the microphone down here. So right here is, uh, so Richie has purchased. It, I guess he purchased, or maybe he got this from Matt. Is it, It's like a Radio Shack. It's like an intercom. You know, the weird thing is, as a result of working at intercom for so many years, the word intercom sounds incorrect to me. Occasionally, I'll use that phrase. Well, I was broadcasting on the office intercom, and intercom sounds, mm-hmm. that sounds like a fake word. All right, so Richie purchased this. Hold on. Hello, Richie Bristol. It was working a few minutes ago. That makes the beep. What? <laughs> Oh, that makes the beep when you push that button. Oh, I see. Well, what are the what are the various buttons on it? And by the way, I'd like to thank the fine folks at Radio Shack for not putting any numbers on the volume knob, so you can't actually tell which way is louder and which way is quieter. You can blast your eardrums off. But I mean, how hard is it to? I'm looking at the volume knob in this intercom that Richie's put together for the studio, and the volume knob has a bunch of little dots on it, but it doesn't actually have any numbers. Like, how hard is it to just write? Okay, let's try this again. So wait, so the call button. Yeah. What did I do? I didn't even do anything. Oh, the call button sends a little beep. I guess that's just to get your attention. Kind of like a code. So let me. Uh, so what happens if it? Uh, if I hit the talk button? Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello, sir. All right. <laughs> that's freaky. Oh, sweet oh, Lord. That's really a nerve. <laughs> that's correct. Angels, I need you. Uh. All right. Well, there you go. Oh. Please stop that. What is that? What's that's, wrong with it? He's tapping out Morse code. Attention, ladies and gentlemen, and all the ships. Hey, playing. there you go. That's exactly what it is. Like a Walter Winchell kind of a thing. All right, so I guess now we've got this, because so often I'm talking to Richie and I'm trying to get an answer to something. You know, like I want to ask, well, let's try it now. Let's try it in action, shall we? Uh, hold on. Hey, Richie, do we have the person from TMZ coming on today? Yeah, 140. <laughs> wow, that's way too loud. At what time? 140? I believe at 140. All right, okay. Well, we'll, we'll do something with that later. Uh, so Lisa Desjardins coming up today. Steve Kastenbaum uh, will be joining us today. Top five album closing songs uh, that are not a day in the life. Uh, we'll be talking to somebody from TMZ.com at 1.40. Make a note of that right now. TMZ.com. Um, and uh, we have another exciting installment of It's the Worst Song 
uh, you've ever heard. And by popular demand, we'll play back the second segment of yesterday's uh, douchiest phone message ever. Uh, oh, thank you. I want to play. I want to hear the whole thing again. All honestly. right, we'll do the whole thing. I had several people stop by my office uh, this morning who only heard part of it, but they sort of heard about it from other people here who were uh, listening to the show. So we'll get to that. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. A gruesome, cold-blooded landlord butcher is brought to justice. There's a rapist on the way to Oregon from Kansas. There's plenty of policyholder outrage as Blue Cross Oregon increases its rates by 26%. Attention carnivores, Fred Meyer is pulling some meat from the shelf. A Medford man gets three years after being convicted of beating his ex and her new boyfriend with a golf club as they slept. That Vancouver opera struck by lightning is recovering. The president is thinking about sending more troops to Afghanistan, where we're getting pounded. Then there's life in these United States. A Kentucky woman is caught trading sex for gasoline. A Florida boy breaks into a home and orders $100 worth of pornography. Excellent. All right. Uh, by the way, speaking of, well, first of all, I forgot. Never mind. We're getting ahead of ourselves. You were talking about that guy being struck by lightning? Yeah. So here's something that I've never actually read. Everybody says, well, you know, you'd have a better chance of being struck by lightning than winning the Powerball. I don't really know what the odds of being struck by lightning are, so I'd like for somebody to actually find that out. Scientifically speaking, I would like to know the odds of being struck by lightning at any given point in time. Uh, that is your task. All right. Uh, joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. How are you today? Oh, just well. Did you have an exciting evening? <laughs> if by exciting you mean I went to a bar for a drink and I went up and there were ten people in the bar and the bartender lost my card or it was stolen from somebody or it was stolen from the place. So now I have no debit card. So this is where like you were running a tab or whatever and you went up and you said, I'm Sarah Dillon. I'm here for my card. And he just... Um... I, was like, I was like, I'm sorry. What's your last name again? And that's when the kind of like the warning bell goes <laughs> off. I'm like... Dylan? Do you ever do? Do you ever do this where like you'll well not to step on your story, but that I've had that happen where he, he comes, he goes to get the card, and then he comes back and he goes, I'm sorry, what was was it was it Bill? And here, no, it's Rick, and and that's when you know, right? And as soon as I see him like rooting around for papers oh. that are underneath like, the cash register, I'm like, oh, oh that, that dude lost my card. Could have been an overzealous fan who built a shrine to the card at home. Uh-huh. <laughs> or a shrine to your mounting uh, credit problems. Oh, geez, so, yeah. Just... So they're like, you know what? It probably fell behind the bar. Just, you know, relax for tonight. They were very nice, though. They gave me some cash. But you can't relax. There's no relaxing. There's no relaxing. So I woke up this morning, and regardless if you, if they find it today, like, I canceled it. It doesn't... Right, because that's all you see, right, is your is your, whatever your credit score is, you just see it being destroyed by some guy who's taking it on a binge at REI somewhere. Oh, yeah, and the guy who was the bartender, I've never met him before. He seemed pretty new to the business. He messed up my friend's drink, and then he was just kind of... Um, I'm not gonna say what the place is because it's a it's a place. I know the owner and they're like a nice they're a nice establishment. They just this it seemed like this person specific. It seems like it was probably that. lost though because how would they even? I mean, is it, how would it, it even be stolen? Like he was paying attention. I don't think it would have been stolen. What I think is that um, he probably gave it back to somebody. To the wrong else. person. That's what I'm thinking. Because very rarely, here's the thing about about credit cards and debit cards. I've done that where it's like you give it to, like especially to bar, and they will give it back to you. And if you're like most people, Tim probably is uh, much more persnickety about this. But as far as, uh, like me, it, as long as it's the right color, that's, that's all I'll check on. Mm -hmm. You know, because my, uh, cause my credit card is gray. So as long as, uh, if he hands me back a gray card, right in the wallet, I don't bother to look at it. Which I probably should, and I never do. Uh, so. It makes you realize how vulnerable you are, too, because I'll, there's so many bars that go into where I don't know the people, and I'll just, like, give them my card. Totally, yeah. And it just, it, uh, I'm definitely going to start carrying more cash now. So now, it's right before the holiday weekend. It takes seven to ten business days for me to get a new card. And that doesn't make sense, either. Like, it, um, it, we won't identify the bank because it's, a, you know, whatever. But I, I, will, I will say this. It, it does seem like with any bank, they ought to just be able to give you a card, like, today. 
And I don't understand why they can't just go in the back room and like press a card and then they, you know, and they run it through a thing where they activate the little magnetic strip on the and back. And the of most it. annoying part too is she's like, okay, you're gonna get a card in the mail. She's like, and then a day or two later, you'll get your pin number. Then oh in no, the that's the worst thing. And I'm like, they, what do you mean? I'm like, I can't use my same pin number. Because they I mail don't... it to you separately. That's the really frustrating thing about it. Because uh, we all share the same bank, I think. And as much as I love that bank, that's why I'm not gonna name them because I don't think it's them specific. I think every bank follows. There must be laws about it. I mean, they must be following some sort of regulation uh, about... Thank you. Uh, the odds are 576,000 to 1 of being struck by lightning. Hold on. Hey, Richie, thanks for bringing that in. I really appreciate it. I think he went outside to smoke. Oh, damn it. Never have any fun. That's why I right. told him we need to have walkie-talkies on an intercom so that we, we can, it can be attached Well, to that's it. the thing is because if he's back in the room where the where his end of the intercom is, so theoretically, around. I can speak to him just, you know, like, by dint of this microphone that I have here. Um, but, but that's the thing about, about it is I think they must be following some sort of regulation or law about how your pin gets sent to you. Because I've totally had that same thing where it's like my my card either, like I've had cards that lapsed or where the strip just got so scratched up over time that it wouldn't really work and so I had to order a new one. And so they send you the card and yeah, and it's that same jive where they're like, we're going to send you the PIN number in 72 hours. And so meanwhile, you get this card you can't use. And it does seem like you ought to just be able to go online somehow and just register it online. Or, or no, how about this? Could you do this? When they send you the card, couldn't you just go to the bank and have them activate it there? I'm pretty sure you sure. can do that. When you get the new debit card in the mail, I think you can go to the physical That's bank location. I don't location. want some random PIN number. Like, I want the one that I'm used to. Well, and it doesn't seem, I mean, and if and if the theory is they're going to mail them both separately, I mean, it's like you don't want some guy rumbling, rummaging through your mail and picking up your PIN number either. So it seems like you can probably go to the bank with that card and have it activated there. Tim, would you agree? Yes. All right, so there you go. Well, anyway, that sucks. But not having, and especially because you don't use credit cards, right? It's just debit card or cash for That's you. That's all I have. And, like, so I'm talking to the guy, he's like, oh, well, maybe you can get <laughs> Did he really make he, that He sound? was like that. He was like, kind of like, oh. And I'm looking at him like, dude, I don't understand if you understand the seriousness of this to me. I'm like, I don't have any money. I don't have any cash. I don't have a credit card. I'm like, that little piece of plastic I gave That's you my is whole all life. my money. Yeah. Which, thank God, I was going to deposit my uh, paycheck yesterday, and then I was too lazy to do it. So I Your sloth has paid off. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very glad that I neglected you because then I was able to put that, to report the card stolen and then deposit my money. And losing it. your credit card, your debit card, your whatever, it's like losing your car keys, where it's just such a tiny object that exerts such a disproportionate effect on your life. Oh, it does. And, like, my friend Lisa can't go out very often, you know, because she has a bibbit. And so, like... We were all out, so I went to close out, and that happened with my car, and I was just so frustrated. And it ruins the rest of your night. I was so frustrated. I'm just... You're on the phone with the bank. Let's put it okay, that way. Okay, I'm on the phone uh, with the bank, which is the most frustrating thing ever because I'm just trying to get a human, and, of course, there's no human. There's no option. Our menu options have recently changed. And there's no option for if your card's, you know, been stolen. So I'm, like, sitting there getting more and more frustrated and upset. And then, like, this dude skates by me at a skateboard, and he's like, I wasn't even effing looking at you. He <laughs> just skates by, and I'm sitting there, and there's, like... <laughs> I was ready to cry. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> and I like ran home. And I just like burst into tears. I'm like, this is like the worst night ever. And I just went to, I just, I went to bed at like midnight. I'm like, screw this night. I'm done with tonight. It is what I was talking to to Chris Paddock about this. There's sometimes there's days and nights where you can tell that no matter what you do, it's never going to get any better. And you realize the That's only it. thing to do is like a computer when it just slows down and crashes and screws up and freezes. You realize you just have to turn the whole thing off and reboot it. There are times when you realize 
look, I'm just going to have to go to bed. And when I wake up tomorrow, everything will have reset, hopefully. And that's it. That was it last night. Like, I was, I, you know, took some time. I was, like, nicely dressed up. I was wearing a cute little Did dress. Did you feel like Bridget Jones walking home in her, like, Playboy bunny Seriously, outfit? and my shoes, and, like, my, my heel had kind of broken. And so I'm, like, dragging my shoe. And the mean guy on the skateboard, like, I don't know. If... <laughs> Let me do Jesus, I'm sorry. That's okay. okay. Oh, let's just... Let's just move forward. Let's all reset. How many more times can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just talking about the delay yesterday. Let's see how much. Let's see how quickly we can use up all of our delay. So anyway, regardless, yeah, I just walked myself home with my broken shoe. And Best I, night ever. And I finally just hung up the phone with the bank and because I couldn't get a hold of anybody. And I just, <laughs> uh, well, okay. Um, edited Sex in the City, which, by the way, is terrible. Oh, yeah. No, it's like watching the edited uh, The it's, Shield. It's not even the, the no, show. There's no like, point. All the funny parts are taken out. Yeah. No. Um... Well, I didn't have anything nearly that exciting happen to me. Uh, Lauren and I went, uh, Scott Dowling invited us to a screening of Gonzo, The Life and Times of Hunter S. Thompson, uh, which, oh, it was fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. a document, it's a two-hour documentary, uh, which I think is opening in wide release, or, you know, in the theater anyway, Cinema 21. Uh, so we went to that screening last night, which is just, it's just so great. It's just, it's a two-hour documentary tracing Hunter Thompson, you know, from his early years up through... Uh, fear and loathing in Las Vegas to when he was on the campaign trail to his later years um, and they did this great device because you know Johnny Depp is such a huge Hunter Thompson fanatic there's this great device of the, a lot of the film is narrated in Hunter Thompson's own words but it's Johnny Depp sort of doing it as Hunter Thompson it's just and they interview ev I mean ev this is indicative of how talented and great Hunter Thompson was that just even though he was just a huge alcoholic drug abusing you know the, the gun freak liberal you know crazy I mean, they have politicians being interviewed. Pat Buchanan makes several appearances, by the way. Yay. But Pat Buchanan, just with his, like, hateful, bitter, life-loving zeal. He just, comes out with a new book every week, though. That's all he does, man. He just sits at home and seeds and, and, and writes, and that's it. And Pat Buchanan, just for such an evil bastard, he just has such a maniacal gleam in his eye the whole time, you know? Uh, so it really is it really is quite wonderful. I think it opens this coming Friday. Uh, so it's called Gonzo, The Life and Times of Hunter Thompson, which is uh, which is quite good. Uh, let's see. Oh, and so let me just do this, and then we'll get a couple phone calls, and then we'll break, and we'll come back uh, uh, with uh, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum. So I had the best worst thing happen to me yesterday. This, did you ever do this when you are sitting when you are out in public? Uh, and you're sort of, and you witness something weird happen or something silly. I don't know if, if if you guys do this, but I will. I compulsively take notes about things that I witness or experience or see, so that I can mention them later. Like if it's something I want to talk about. And it used to be really difficult to do. I, like a lot of people, like a lot of people in this line of work, I used to carry a small spiral notebook with me and a pen. And I would be sitting there in public, and I would be witnessing something strange happening or something that I wanted to make observations about. And I would sit there and I would start writing it down. It, it, it was sort of awkward, though, because people would sometimes notice you doing it. Mm -hmm. And so people would realize that I was sitting there staring at them intently and writing down their conversation. And so it, 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 it sort of caused the awkward social interactions occasionally. You know what the BlackBerry is great for or the cell phone or, you know, whatever it is? Like this, this, it, it, People just assume you're texting. I so you can text message things to myself. That's how I take notes. Exactly. And you can and you can transcribe an entire conversation, and nobody knows that you were doing it because they think that you're just texting somebody. So I was at lunch yesterday, and there was the worst conversation at the table next to me. It was just so awful. I almost started today's show with an office space clip uh, because it reminded me so much of this. So it was, I was at lunch, and I won't say where, but it was nearby, and it was in sort of an open kind of a plaza area. And so I'm at one table, and I'm having my bagel and my whatever. And at the table next to me is one sort of generic white-collar guy 
having uh, sort of not even having lunch, but just having sort of a, a little meeting with another generic white collar guy. And at first I thought, and it was like an older guy and sort of a younger guy. And at first I thought the older guy was interviewing the younger guy for a job, which would certainly be depressing enough because they both look just... I mean, just, you know, that look on the faces of people who've just been stuck in horrible cubicle jobs for 20 years and they just see no end to it. They look down the road and it just stretches off into infinity. And they all look like less funny versions of the people from The Office. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sort of like sort of like The Office, but without all the amusing it's a television show parts. Uh, and you just have the, and just, just, just eyes that are just dim and burnt out and filled with hopelessness. And so at first I thought the older guy was interviewing the younger guy for a job, but it wasn't that. It was actually something much more horrifying. The older guy was giving the younger guy tips on how to apply for a job at his office. So it was sort of like an older guy, and he looked like that guy from Office Space. I deal with the goddamn customers! That guy, the guy with the jump to conclusions, Matt, he was the older guy, and then the younger guy kind of looked like... um uh, who's that? The big tall guy that came from the the the, the bus bus the vote project or whatever, Jefferson Davis Smith. <laughs> You're like Jefferson with Starship. You know that guy I'm talking about? Yeah, from yeah, hot Jefferson. Whatever his name is, sort of like a less sort of like a less interesting version of that guy. So the older guy is talking to the younger guy, and he is giving the younger guy tips on what to put on his resume or on his application to sort of catch the eye of the prospective employer. And I wrote down, these are direct quotes from 3.49 yesterday afternoon. These are direct quotes from things the older guy was telling the younger guy about what to say in his job interview and what to put down on his application. Quote, I bring a fresh perspective to energize any work environment in which I am a part. Wow. Who puts that down and what does that even mean? Wow. And then how about this? I create teamwork slash, and he actually said the slash. It wasn't like the slash was sort of, he actually wanted the guy to say this. I create teamwork slash increase productivity, and I strengthen the organization. How about this? Here's another one. This is another thing. He was. This is real life, torn from the pages of human existence. Here's another thing that the older guy was, and I'm assuming that the younger guy was applying for a job at the older guy's office. Because he was sort of giving him the inside scoop, like, here's what you want to say when you sit down for your interview. Here's another one. Use this phrase. I'm a difference maker. Have you ever sat down in a job interview anywhere and said the phrase, I am a difference maker? Is that like a fresh maker? That would be <laughs> I'm a difference maker? I'm a difference maker. How about this? Um, at, one point, uh, at one point, the guy said... Okay, now when you go back over this job interview, you want to be asking yourself, what are your keywords? What are the keywords I am going to bring to this job interview interaction? How about this? At one point, at one point, the older guy is giving the guy, uh, the younger guy, notes, and he says, he doesn't feel like the younger guy's paying paying enough attention, and he says, no, 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 you better write this down, buddy. It's important. These are the things that will land you that job. And then he follows it up by saying... Sure one of these guys wasn't Scotty J. The older... But it was exactly like that. It was like two of the lamest white-collar guys you have ever seen in your life. One of whom... And I almost wanted to intervene and go over and tell the other, like, why are you doing that? Whatever job you're applying for sucks. I can tell... You know how I can tell? I can, because these are the questions th- that you're preparing to answer, and this is the guy who's helping you. I don't know what job this is. I don't know what office it is. I don't know where you're going to be employed. It's terrible. Sight unseen, I can tell you, you don't want this job. Mm. Uh, 
So at one point, the guy said, this is after saying, I bring a fresh perspective to energize any work environment in which I'm a part. After saying, I create teamwork slash increase productivity and I strengthen the organization. And after saying, I'm a difference maker. The older guy sort of pushes himself back on the table and looks at, like, all of the stuff he's up with the guy. And he says this. He says, I got to tell you, if I see this... I'm hiring you, stat. Oh, wow. Which really is like one shade away from I'm effing you tonight. I got to tell you, if I see this, I'm hiring you, stat. What is it? I don't know. I have, And that's the thing. I sat there for about 12 minutes and listened and wrote these phrases down. Things like, I bring pre fresh perspective to energize any work environment in which I am a part. And I have no idea what the job is. None. Zero. Except to know that I don't want that job. Was that an outside eatery? Uh, it was uh, the place down the street. Yeah, yeah, where there's all the tables. Yeah. Um, so there's that. It I also. I like those kind of people might hang out there. And I've decided, by the way, that I'm going to start ending a lot of my sentences with stat. So there you go. That's no. for the rest of the day. I'm going to be using stat to end a lot of phone conversations. All right. We're going to get some calls. Stat. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Oh, I just hung up on somebody. Hey, Sorry Rick. about that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Yes, Rick. What's up? Uh, this thing about the, the uh, stolen or lost debit card. Yes, sir. You know, they have a very special number that you can call, but the problem is they put the number for lost or stolen credit cards on, on your the card. card. <laughs> I hadn't really ever thought to report a lost or stolen. That doesn't I, make any I sense. I realized that irony last night, and so I had to call my friend who I knew it's was It's ridiculous. Home. Every, you take out every credit card you have in your wallet has that statement on the back. How are you supposed to do that? That doesn't make any sense at all. Okay, yeah, I, seriously, I want someone from a bank to call me right now and tell me why you do that. But you call the bank and you can, and there's no option, you know, uh, if if you have a stolen credit card, push five. There, there's, there's, there's no isn't. option. Oh, no, there's no option. I was on the phone for 20 minutes last night. There's, there's no a option. special 800 number, but it's on the back of your card that's been stolen. Uh, uh, yeah, don't even get me started on the phone tree. I had to call not one but two different uh, companies this morning for various things, uh, and they both had the... It, quit saying your menu options have recently changed, first and foremost. Your menu options have not changed. That's a lie. Any company that says your menu options have recently changed, that's just there to make you afraid to hit the zero button. And by the way... That's all I did when I was talking oh, about that. It was just like zero, 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 zero. It's like, we're sorry. That's an invalid here's number. Here's another thing. You want to know a group of people that ought to be killed right now? Here's a group of people that ought to be taken out and they ought to be set on fire in the middle of a barge and then kicked over the side. Any company that has enabled their phone tree to hang up the call when you press zero, which, by the way, some of them have started doing, because they know, right, that you don't want to sit there and you, you talk to, to Marv on the automated phone robot. You just want to hit zero. And so there's some companies, which I will not identify now because I'm a good person, there's some uh, the companies that have actually set up their phone system, so if you just skip ahead and hit zero, it just ends the call, and then you have to call back from scratch. I swear to God. Oh. Really? You, 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 God forbid that I'm driving home one of these days and the CEO from one of those companies happens to be in the crosswalk late at night because uh, I just might not see you until it's oh, too late. Uh, I, I called an airline uh, oh, last week and one of the most – well, anyway, I called this airline and they said uh, that Marvin, the automated guy, came on and said, uh, our call volume is too heavy right now. Please try again later. And it hung up on <laughs> Not me. even stay on hold. Just no. call back some other time. Mm. Yes. Oh, bastards. I was, right. I was trying not to get frustrated with you. the teller. This morning, as she's like, oh, well, did you call this number, the 1-800, and I finished the number for him, like, oh, blank, 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 and she's like, yeah, that number. I'm like, yeah, that's what I was on the phone with us, and I'm like, are there humans, like, actually there late at night? And, and she was like, oh, there should have been somebody, and yeah. nobody was there. No, my, uh, yeah, you, yeah. all right, uh, we'll do one more, and then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. This is Scott. Hi, hello, hi. Hello, 
Rick, Hi, Sarah, and Tim, you guys are a trio of brilliance. I'm a 59-year-old total fan. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, I, I wanted I speak with authority not because I'm a player, but uh, the odds of winning Powerball are one in 46 million. Okay, so the odds of being hit by lightning are actually substantially higher. Yes. Well, that's good. Um, the uh, the two part voicemail yesterday was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, we'll play that again today. I got a lot of response uh, to that. Un unbelievable. Um, and I, w I listened this morning before you came on, hoping that I'd get the top five that I missed yesterday. And I didn't miss it because you didn't have it. I was hoping Abby Rhodes, uh, Her Majesty, would be on there. Well, one will have to wait and see, won't one? Yes, won't we won? Yes. Uh, I, have, I will sign off by saying that uh, I am currently talking to you on the Bluetooth from hell. Um, <clears throat> my work installed this in my new work vehicle where I, put, I plugged my cell phone into a cradle. And then there's a little light on the dashboard that blinks. It's, it's linked. And there's a little icon on the screen that says it's linked. But for absolutely no reason, I'll get a phone call. I'll push the button to answer. I'll say, hello, this is Scott. Nothing. I can't pick up the phone. I can't push any button. No. That person is out there and never, never lands. No, it would just be too easy to have it function properly. That would just uh, that would eliminate all the fun from your existence. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. But... All right, you well, guys are you guys are fantastic. Thank you, That's my friend. All I got to say about you spread that. the word. You call us anytime, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Have a good day. There you go. That's Scott. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Lisa Desjardins, Steve Castamount, Tim Riley, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Well, all right then. Why? Hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on today, uh, we'll be talking to TMZ.com. Uh, we also got the top five coming up. Top five album-ending cuts that are not a day in the life. Uh, we'll get Lisa Desjardins in just one moment. Steve Kastenbaum uh, about the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. We'll talk to Richie Bristol about his upcoming Vegas trip. We have some follow-up questions from yesterday. And it's the worst song you've ever heard. Uh, one final thing about Phone Trees. Rick... The absolute worst thing is phone trees that force you to do their ridiculous voice recognition systems instead of just pressing the numbers. There is absolutely no reason to go to voice recognition, especially since it never works. And you just end up shouting overly enunciated phrases into the phone when it could have taken one-eighth the time to just press two. Are these companies trying to impress us with their futuristic ways of voice recognition? What the F is the point of these things? I have to go punch something now. Here's the worst part about that voice recognition is when it's not actual voice recognition, but it is just sloth and laziness and a desire to not interact with the customers masking as voice recognition. 1411, I'm looking at you because you call up for what city and state. That's not voice recognition. You know what that is? That's an operator that doesn't want to talk to you. They want to eliminate the amount of time you actually get to talk to a real person because you know... And this is the last thing I'll say, and then we have to move on, at least for now, temporarily. We will inevitably circle back to this, like a vulture hovering above desert carrion. But I'm just going to say this, that when you call up and it says, 411 Connect, city and state, please, and then you say, Portland, Oregon. It's not hearing you say Portland, Oregon, and then magically transmogrifying that into data, which then fetches the operator for the appropriate air. There's the operator sitting there listening to you. It's just that they yeah, don't want to actually talk talking, to you. Because you're like, see, please, Portland, Oregon, for what listing? Exactly, because they, that's, that's all it is. It's just one more step uh, between you and an actual live human being. So, stuff makes me angry. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, From the Hill, CNN Radio Correspondent to the Stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hi, guys. How are you today? I am well. 
How is uh, it's gonna be okay? How's life in these United States, Lisa? Right about the phone trees. I think right now life in these United States a okay. What is the actual? What does the public read on the way things are going in this country? Would you imagine? Would you say? Uh, optimistic, but with reservations, or would you? Here's the reason I ask this. There was an there was an Associated Press story the other day, and I hate to be taking us off off track right here at the beginning, but this does tie into the election. There was this Associated Press story that was really it was really weird. I, I kind of wish I'd saved it actually, um, because the, the story basically said, "Is everything going wrong?" And, I mean, that was the headline was something like that. The headline was something like, is everything out of control? Is everything in a downward spiral? Whatever. And it was just talking about the national tone and mood and tenor and the it, that in the opinion of many people, there is just this air of just sort of despair and, and kind of hopelessness that is permeating American society. Uh, what say you, Lisa Desjardins? <laughs> well, I know in June, um, CNN did a poll, and at that point... When asked, what, what do you think about the economic conditions, 78% of people said they're poor. So that's not so great. I know when you ask people, is the country headed in the right direction, you get similar numbers uh, saying, no, <laughs> Has, we're not. Here's a question. When they say that thing about, like, is the country on the right track, is the country headed in the right direction, question, right? is that a loaded question in the sense that, like, do people ever say yes? Has there ever been once when 80% of people said, damn straight, damn straight, everything is perfect? Uh, yeah, well, it's different than asking if everything's perfect. So there there are people that say, yeah, I think we are heading in the right, right direction. And I think uh, when a new president comes to, into office, whoever he may be, there's going to be a bit of a honeymoon, possibly. And 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 probably the anti-Bush feeling could, uh, you, you could sense that by people answering, yes, we're headed in the right direction because so many people thought he was the wrong direction. So a new direction, maybe people will say that's good at that point. But you're right. It's, it's never, we're not never going to see 90% of people say right on. Everything it's, is. It's sort of like if you ask people right. like if, if they like the government or politicians. <laughs> uh, and regardless of who's in office, what party, what persuasion, what partisanship, whatever, no one ever says, no, 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 those politicians, they're great folks. I love them. Right. And then, you know, it's very different than asking how are things going in your own life. Which, which, you know, are you happy with where you are? Are you happy with your salary? Are you happy with what, you know, what you can afford and, and your own budget? And, you know, I think politicians in particular see uh, very serious problems once those individual numbers go down, once people really feel stress in their own life, especially when they feel like their pay is not getting it done. Then you, then you really see uh, pretty much whoever's governing get kicked out. Let me ask you this question. On a scale of 1 to 10, from your journalistic vantage point, how okay. disorganized is the GOP? How disorganized? In terms of the, the upcoming, in terms of the fall presidential election, how disorganized is the Republican Party right now? In I terms of lack of lack of cohesion and harmony. Oh, see, I think of that as a different question. I'm not trying to split hairs, but I, I think I think they uh, have quickly tried to organize in the past let's see, three months since John McCain was clearly the nominee. And I think the McCain campaign, as we see today, in fact, a change uh, at the top of the McCain campaign, his top uh, campaign manager is sort of stepping aside and giving day-to-day -day duties to someone else. So I think there's a lot of organization. Republicans have always been very, very good at organization. They've got these massive databases that they'll use. But I, I think you're right. I think they have serious division over strategy and serious division over uh how they handle this election, and there is a real sense, especially in Congress, 
there has been for some time. Every man for himself, as far as Republicans go, it's a survival game, and many of the Republicans in swing districts know it. Look at Gordon Smith, you know, U.S. Senator. He's he is a, a man who is certainly being chased by the Democrats. They want him out of office, but he's someone who is kind of is being warmed toward Barack Obama uh, as probably part of a survival strategy. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it sort of is every man for themselves, especially Democrats who are in tough races. Or, sorry, Republicans who are in tough races. And my, a couple Democrats, too. And it does say on the prep sheet, by the way, uh, can we spend an entire minute talking about politics without mentioning one political attack? So I want to note, by the way, that we've spent about two and a half minutes now without discussing. And Excellent. I wrote, I wrote that, hoping that uh, someone would pick up on it. Because is this – do you – let me – do you – do you – are you split sort of internally in the sense that, on the one hand, you know that political scandal and attack ads and discord and strife are sort of the, uh, that is the mother's milk of modern political coverage. But on the other hand, I know that there is the, the idealistic heart that beats deep within you that just wishes for actual uh, civilized political discourse, but yet knows you'll never get it. Yeah, I feel like we're at this point now in this campaign where uh, the back and forth attacks are, are ramping up very quickly and daily. And as I was writing our ticker yesterday, I was I was pretty excited. I was writing, I said, oh, this is all I'm doing. Just basically, here's where the candidates stand on these issues. Here's what they said about their own viewpoints. This is great. This doesn't have all these back and forth. You know, what did Wes Clark say? What didn't he say? And then, of course, as I was writing that, came all these sort of back and forth questions again about Wes Clark and about some other issues. And, and, it, and I felt myself saying, oh, I've got to put this stuff in the ticker. And then I said, no, and then the music played behind me. <laughs> I do not have to do that. It doesn't help our society. Nobody cares at this point. Is that where you had, like, the, the W.G. Walden music slowly coming up in the background? Is, <laughs> and you sort of stood up and, like, you know, suddenly you were speaking to Rob Lowe. Right. Uh, and you said something like, you know, I'm tired of setting the bar so low that you can't even see it anymore. I'm tired of believing that a good man can't be elected president. That's exactly that's exactly what happened. Yeah. All right. Uh, just on that on that tip, as the young people say, as we sort of wrap this up, Barack Obama has has so much of that campaign is you know that it is different and it's a different kind of presidential campaign and it's leaving some of the ugliness of the past behind. So my question to you is, it, as we head into the fall, is that do you get the sense that it is really going to be a less ugly campaign that we might have seen in past fall elections, or is it, or is it going to be just as ugly? It's just that it won't have his direct fingerprints on it. Ugly is relative, that's for sure. But I do think this will be less ugly. I think it will be incredibly competitive. I think we will see um, people who are not John McCain making some very vicious attacks, and also same thing on Barack Obama's side. You'll see some vicious attacks from Democrats who now feel. Uh, look, I think people who are not on his campaign team feel almost this responsibility to go on the attack. Uh, I, I think we'll see that, but there'll be a level of ugliness for sure. But I, I think what may mark this uh, campaign well, I think we will see um, more substance in debate than we've seen before. All right. As we... So it's still ugly, but you'll also get more substance. As we end this, Lisa Desjardins, what is your favorite flavor of Ben & Jerry's ice cream? Oh, you know, I I like uh, I like Cherry Garcia a lot, and a half baked has to be my favorite though. Excellent, well done. All right, are you on tomorrow? Yes. All right, we will then speak with you uh, in the near future. As always, enjoy your afternoon. Excellent, you Thank too. Thank you. There you go, Lisa Dejarlan, uh, Dan, ladies and gentlemen, wonderful, excellent. All right, uh, we'll get Steve Kastenbaum here in just a second. This is whoever, hi, whoever you might be. You're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Amuse us. Hello there. Hey, what's up? 
I do know why they have the phone number on the back of the credit cards. Uh, I don't work in a bank, but they told me before when we were talking about ID theft. And what they do is they tell you to just make a photocopy of all your credit cards, fronts and backs that you have in your wallet, so that if you do get your wallet stolen, you'll have your cards, your phone numbers, and your security codes, so you can call them right away. A, that's, no one does that. B, uh, nobody does. But that's what that's what they said the reasoning was behind it. That, that seems like a bad idea too. It seems strange that a bank that would seems encourage very you. Stupid. Like, yeah, as long as you don't account? lose the paper. Tim, would it, does it would it make sense for a bank to encourage you to photocopy the front and back of all your credit cards? <laughs> that would be I bad. guess as that long seems as you foolish. have a safe, you're yeah. all right. But you know, who would who would do it? Yeah. All right. Thank you. You bet. Right, so, in order, so the credit card company expects I mean, you to have a photocopy machine and a safe in order for you to not have your There is a fireproof vault in which to keep all of that. And why? And if you're going to go to the trouble of photocopying it, which you would almost certainly have to do at work, right? And there's nobody you trust less than your coworkers, let's be honest. If you're going to, I mean, if you're going to do that, why wouldn't you just write it down? Or for that matter, if you're going to do that, why don't you just email it to yourself? I would think you'd be encouraged to not photocopy it. I would it think that would be very the, stupid. Yeah, I mean, if you really wanted to have all that stuff backed up, like if I, I would trust that. I would trust emailing that to myself more than I trusted like putting it on a piece of paper laying around my house. You know what they should give you is like, um, like two credit cards. Like give you your credit card, but then one that isn't really a card, but it's like a card with all of the numbers on it that you can keep in your wallet as well. Here's the other thing. They could also do this. You know what? Here's the other thing they ought to do. Uh, and then we'll talk to uh, Steve Kastenbaum about uh, hot dog eating, which is the most American of activities. The, here's what they ought to do. When you get a credit card or a debit card at any bank, they ought to give you the, the regular card, but... But for every credit card they give you that's like the real one, you ought to get a temp card that doesn't actually work and that only works if you call in to report your primary card is stolen. In other words, they give you the regular card and think of it as like, I don't know, like a, like a cardboard that's card. That's a good idea. You know, whatever, like like a, a, a backup card that's like not... A, like a flimsy backup card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it doesn't work. Like a key card at a hotel or something. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say like, like a, a calling card or something. Yeah, and it doesn't work unless you call in and report the theft of your primary card, in which case the backup card switches on for 10 days or until you until get your you card. Until you get your new card. That would yeah. be awesome. There you go. now I'm totally screwed, yep. and now I have to carry around a bunch of cash. Carry around thousands of dollars. Thousands? Screaming, <laughs> screaming, mug me. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Take it to a gas station. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum, hello, sir. Wow, you know, I joined this conversation halfway through, but it sounds really frustrating. Well, Sarah got her, uh, her debit card was either lost or stolen. Um, but, yeah, last night, so. And, you know, and, and she, you know, she didn't have credit cards. The debit card is kind of the whole deal. So now, I mean, I'm just telling the story for you, but it did her, you know, but like a lot of, you know, people now, she just has to carry around a bunch of cash on a holiday weekend. And then you have to worry about giving it, being mugged, losing it. Uh, you know, you put, everybody's done that thing of where you're at a bar or whatever, and you go to take it out of your wallet, and you pull the wrong bill, and they all fall on the floor. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, it's just, and plus, you just don't like having to carry around a bunch of cash. It's depressing to go to your ATM and take out $200, because then you see your ever-diminishing balance, and then you're just filled with blackened self-loathing. So, doesn't... Can't you go to the uh, can't can't you go to the you know the bank and and they issue you a temporary debit card uh, for the account and you're able at least you know to go back to the ATM machine a couple of times over the weekend instead of taking out one giant wad of money. First no. of all, we're going to handle two things in this response. One is I don't know if that's true, but I'd be curious to know about it. Secondly, you know I respect you as a journalist, Steve. You can't say ATM machine. 
Oh yeah, forgot about that. You gotta you gotta expunge that from your vocabulary prompter. Scott, you're right. Uh, you're correct. But I don't really I don't really know. Doesn't but doesn't it seem like they ought to be able to do that? Like you go and you go, look, uh, I lost my thing, and then they give you a temp one, and again, it, it works like, like there a has week. To be an easier solution than me sitting at home waiting for it for ten days. No, that, that's what they, that's what happened with me when my card like cracked from from me sitting on it in my wallet every day. <laughs> I went, they went and issued me a temporary card that I could at least use at the ATMs. So I didn't have to carry cash around with me the whole time. Steve, so, can I ask who you bank with? I bank with Citibank, but that okay. is by no means uh, any sort of endorsement. <laughs> that is simply a that is a I fact. I was thinking if we were if we had matching banks, but that is, uh, we do not. That is simply a that is simply a fact given here objectively. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, it's just it's just very frustrating. It just seems like one of those things. It, it, it is like I don't know if you can do this now, but it's like how. I think for the longest time, and I haven't gotten a parking ticket in a long time. I've gotten much better about that. But I remember the last time I got a parking ticket, which was a few years ago, being just so unbelievably like frustrated to a nuclear degree that you couldn't pay your parking ticket online. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, that you still had to write a check, like to the city of Portland, check it $14.35, and then you had to put it in an envelope and send it off. I was just like, you know, I can buy anything on planet Earth online. I can give my credit card to any one of a thousand vendors in a thousand countries, and yet the freaking government won't take $14 from me. Uh, and so I think maybe they've changed that, maybe they haven't. Tim, do you know if you can, you pay like a parking ticket online now? I'm not sure I'd ever get one. Okay, well, there you go. So we're clean living people, so we don't know. You can do that here in New York. You can pay it online. It's but it's just, not $17. It's like 75 Yeah, it's just inexcusable. So, uh, But it just seems like there are certain segments of American industry in which they are lagging behind somewhat in terms of uh, what you can do technically. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. All right. Hey, speaking of, of all okay. things that are American, let's talk about Nathan's hot dog eating contest. I was going to do a segue. You know where they're not lagging behind in the ability <laughs> to eat a lot of hot dogs. Now, I'm going to read this sentence off the prep sheet because it's fascinating. It says... CNN Steve Katzenbaum says, there's a twist this year, and it throws the whole world of competitive eating into a tizzy. It really does. Please describe the tizzy. Well, I will let George, uh, George Shea, the commissioner of Major League Eating, explain what's going on here. They found a document from the 1918 Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, and in it, the rules list the contest as being 10 minutes long. Not 12 minutes, which is what it's been for decades now. So they're taking two minutes off the clock. This has been enormously controversial, and it has, it has produced an enormous uproar, not only among fans, but among the eaters. I mean, there's been speculation, you know, could this impact, um, you know, the outcome? There is so much controversy about this amongst fans of competitive eating. As you may remember, I call him the great American hero, Joey Chestnut showed us what intestinal fortitude means when he ate 66 hot dogs in 12 minutes, reclaiming the mustard belt back for the U.S., taking it from six-time winner Japanese uh, competitive eater Takeru Kobayashi. Takeru Kobayashi, um, you know, world champion for so many years, returns this year as a contender, seeking to regain his title from Joey Chestnut who last year beat him by eating 66 hot dogs and buns in 12 minutes. I am so full of anticipation and indigestion. Looking forward to Friday. I will, I will say this really is, and I've said this before, this is just the most American thing on earth. Just sitting there and just shoveling hot dogs into your face uh, and just praying desperately that you win the contest before you die of a coronary thrombosis. He so. gained 23 pounds last year when he won the contest <laughs> in 12 minutes. 
Uh, that's wonderful. I mean, it is it is simultaneously the best and worst thing on earth, and that's kind of America in a nutshell right there. Do you know what I mean? It is all that is good and bad about America rolled into one contest in Coney Island. It's exactly what the Pilgrims had in mind when they came over here. Exactly. Uh, I am so looking forward to this. We can talk more about this contest tomorrow. I can never talk too much about the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. And, uh, and then we are on Friday as well. We will be here doing our oh, program Friday. That's uh, fantastic because I will be down there doing live reports from Coney Island and Nathan's on the boardwalk. Excellent. So I don't know if the CNN you know call center is going to be or whatever it is going to be open or whatever, but we will be here on Friday just so you I, know. So I will make sure to check in with you guys and, and make sure I come on air. Okay. It is going to be awesome. Excellent. All right, my friend. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent. Genius. Wonderful. Brilliant. Hello, Tim Riley. Well, hello. All right. Let's see. Uh, we've got this. This email says, uh, Rick, your backup credit card idea is great, but then if someone gets a hold of the backup card, they can call and cancel your real card and have the backup and use that, blah, 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 blah. I mean, really, the only way to get around this is just some sort of a retinal scan. That's really it. It's just going to have to be the thing where they use your hand for identification. I'll be just wait it out. There's nothing else I can do. Well, because, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, the bar is just so low to prove that you are you. I mean, all you really have to do to prove that you're you is to have access to information that anybody can get, right? I mean, it's just... It, it is kind of, fr and here's another thing, and then I, and I, I almost don't want to talk about this because it's going to put us behind for the news hour, but this guy says, listen to this, he says, Rick, instead of signing my cards on the back, I print ID required, which is interesting. I didn't know if you could do that. I thought you had to sign them for them to work, but that's a good idea, actually, because I am always really unnerved by the number of places that do not ask for ID when I'm buying something. That's what Kristen Bowie and I were talking this morning, and she said when, you know, after she had hurt her foot, she would send her boyfriend out to go and buy things. And with her debit card all the time, and they would never, never say anything. Never had a problem, not yeah. once. No, when you know when, and I actually make a point of thanking people who ask for my ID. And when they say ID, please, and I always say thank you for asking, because you know, it's a guy who grabs your card and runs off and jacks up like eighty-five dollars on your account, and nobody ever bats an eye at it. So, all right, uh, well, let's take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley around the corner with uh, the new news hour. Uh, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll do more phone calls on the way. Coming up later on, we'll do the top five album-ending songs of all time. It's the worst song you've ever heard, and we'll talk to TMZ.com. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Pro. Good to know that we're not alone when we hear this thing. That's fine paying advertisers. That's exactly what they heard. Yes, that's the right answer. People can do whatever they wish as long as they buy the <laughs> As long as your check clears, you can put whatever you want on. Um, all right, why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Rick, you're such a tool. Yeah, you know, I'm not even going to read the rest of this. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And today's little gathering is brought to you by our friends at Leafs Auto Collision Centers and Leafs.com. Call today, find out what Leafs can do for you. A Portland man has been found guilty in the gruesome killings of his landlord and his housemate. Landlord murder is wrong. Absolutely. Throw the book at him. That's going to happen to uh, Frank Hudson. He's guilty of sin in the death of his 72-year-old landlord and a fellow tenant. 
Francis Weber rented a room at his Cortland house to Hudson, but was getting ready to throw him out because he was always late with the rent, as he should have done. Weber's torso was found along Highway 26 in Washington County. Next to him lie the bullet-ridden body of the other renter, 64-year-old David Copeland. Oh, this is the story where it's like they just found a big bag of skin or yes. something in the guy's house. Limbs and skin were later found in a minivan that contained blood from all three men. <sighs> uh, Hudson testified in his own defense, but jurors found him guilty of murder and abuse of a corpse. Did he ever say what the plan was with the skin? Like, what, what was that going to be used for? I don't know. All right. Well, in any event, so he's going away? Yes. All right, what's he been sentenced to? We don't have the sentence yet. All right, but, but he's, he's been found guilty. He's been found guilty, and they're going to do what needs to be done. They're seeking the death penalty. All right. There's a rapist coming to Oregon soon. This comes to us from Kansas. They're asking for your help to find this rapist. Uh, he's heading to Oregon. What in connection with robbery, kidnapping, and rape? Wait, how do they know he's coming to Oregon? They all do. Robert Abner <laughs> is one in Kansas of seven counts of rape, two counts of criminal sodomy, one count of aggravated robbery, kidnapping, He's a white male, six feet tall, 300 pounds, brown hair, and shifty brown eyes. He had facial hair in the past, but they have shaved it off. Uh, he's driving a dark blue or black 1995 Lexus SC400 with a Kansas plate. He was importantly born in Eugene. He may be heading to Oregon where he may have several acquaintances in the area. <laughs> By acquaintances, do, you mean future victims? Perhaps so. Folks on the to-rape list? Do not befriend him. All right, yeah, seriously. A Medford man has been sentenced to three years in the pokey after pleading guilty to beating his former girlfriend and her new boyfriend as they slept with a golf club. Donovan Maxwell convicted of burglary and assault charges. He broke into his ex's apartment and attacked the couple in April. Both uh, required treatment at Rogue Valley Medical The golf Center. club. Mm-hmm. He's stepping up to the bed. And it doesn't look like they're awake. And uh, I think he's going with the nine iron here. And uh, he's trying... Uh, Moving past the guard dog, and there comes the backstroke. Ah, what a powerful swing. Boy, look at, boy, that is, boy, that's really, he's he's really swung effectively there. You can, uh. Because it's golf. It's a golf club. But viewers or listeners would be all because they're way out of our demographic as we spoke of yesterday. And then I'm just. Stay tuned next for news on the Fox News Channel. I'm golf club. Ah, fine, whatever. Well, he's going to the pokey anyway. Yeah. Why can't I get a final laugh at his expense? Oh, by the way, speaking of things that are that are coming to Eugene, so what is the? So my wife is doing this thing. She's going to be out of town this weekend. She's going to some hippie camp thing, uh, and so the, hippie, hippie camp. That's what they call it. It's like some. They call it a hippie camp. I I think that's a colloquial name. I don't think it's actually like a meatballs type camp. I don't think it's like where you where you and Bill Murray are floating out to sea in a raft or something and then making lanyards. It's I don't know. It's just some bunch of. It's like some big chill thing, but with unshaven underarms. Uh-huh. Uh, where it's like my wife and some friends of hers and whatever. And they're all going to go off and dance around a campfire or something and talk about the Earth Goddess. And so she's going to be gone uh, this weekend. But then this is. But then she's going to the. Uh, what is that country fair thing that happens in Eugene? Isn't that isn't that isn't that where Eugene where that happens? I don't know. It's don't like know. some. It's like some really like. It's like some dirt level Burning Man. It's like some horrible like grade Z. Like sub all the people just like fairies and sub stuff. wood sub woodstock thing that happens uh, near Eugene anyway so that's coming up and so God bless her she you know she was sort of in, she loves me enough to ask me if I wanted to go and then also loves me enough to accept my no I will never go to that uh, response so I guess it's so there's two things in a row so she's got two big hippie festivals coming up in a row and she accepted my response that I would never ever ever go to those and, and then in fact I would rather die than attend them so well in any event so I'll tell her to look out for the the, the rapey guy though. 
Oh, this from the desk of Scotty J. This just in, I'm sure you know this, but Tia Tequila got burned on her season ending of Shot at Love. Actually burned? It says like set on fire? I'm not sure. It was down to a guy that loved her oh. that said uh, she said goodbye to and didn't even kiss him goodbye. And the girl she wanted, and the girl she wanted, she wanted a girl that said she really wasn't into this girl-girl thing. Okay. That's, uh, from Thanks Scotty. for clearing for clear that up, Scotty. That's from the desk of Scotty J. <laughs> Does it really say for the desk of Scotty no, J? Like <laughs> right. Scotty and is it like J. is it like from the desk of and is the old guy's name just like the guy that used to work there just crossed out and then <laughs> Scotty J. No, it's under Tia Tequila News. I don't know. Why does it not surprise me, by the way, that Scotty would be sending us Tila Tequila News? I don't even I don't understand what we're talking about. What show is this? This is Shot at Love. Oh, that is that. That is, is this is this the new season of that stupid reality, that dating show she was doing last year? It might be. I don't watch it. Wait, so what? The so this end? is where she's because she, she's bi and uh -huh. so she. Oh, I see. Sure. That's why there's, there's this girl, sure girl she is. thing. Right, okay. uh, boy. You want to talk about a girl? You know what? She's got a face like a gremlin. I mean, you just look at that girl. There's, I mean, she's four feet tall, and she has the face of a mogwai. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, whatever. I know she's got like a million and a half MySpace friends or something, but you know what that means? When you have a million and a half MySpace friends, that doesn't really mean you're popular. That just means that your job from nine to five is sitting and clicking invite and accept all day long. That's really what you do every day, all day. Mm -hmm. Is that what Scotty J is doing now? Probably. <laughs> and dealing with a lot of so-and-so has not responded to your friend request. Uh, it, there's a great article, I forget where it was, it was on, um, I forget, uh, something, that's the problem with the internet, there's so many great sort of blogs and online magazines that if you see an article and don't immediately bookmark it, the odds are like 5 in 10 that you'll never find it again. Like, I read this great article the other day about blah, 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 and somebody says, well, where did you read that? I, you know, in the internet, it's just, which is like essentially just a library that stretches off in every direction forever. But it was a great article about Tila Tequila, as strange as they may sound. And they were talking about, the article was called, Why the Hell is Tila Tequila Famous? Here's the Reason. And the story as they told it, which had the ring of truth, the story as they told it was that Stuff Magazine, when stu she, the reason she's popular is because Stuff Magazine put her on the cover a couple years ago as like the most power, the, the, the most famous woman on MySpace, the most popular woman because, on MySpace. Yeah, but with her and Jeffree Star, they both um, just were the first huge MySpace friend collection. Totally. And so Stuff Magazine didn't have a cover story for that month. They're like, I don't know, what are we going to put on the cover? we got to find something interesting. The kids, they love the Internet. What should we do? And some guy at, My, at Stuff Magazine just went on MySpace and looked around and just said, well, and I, he might have even contacted MySpace and just said, look, we're trying to force some Stuff Magazine. Who has the most friends on MySpace? And they're like, well, so-and-so, and then this Tila Tequila chick. And so Stuff Magazine just said, oh, that's great. And they just put it on the cover because they didn't have anything better to do that month. And, of course, then that, it all snowballed from there, and that's why she became this big quasi-celebrity. And here's how you know that that story is probably true. Because this blog ran this whole article about here's why Tila Tequila is famous, because Stuff Magazine didn't really know what they were doing, and they just punted. And the blog, the guy who wrote the blog got a response back, an email back from the guy who was running Stuff Magazine at that time, and the email response just said, go F yourself. So he probably, so it probably is true. So that guy now knows what he hath wrought. Here's Tim Riley. And you know who looks like somebody else? I've determined that Cindy McCain looks like Cruella DeVille. Yeah, I could see that. I could totally see that. Or how I about this? If, if Nicole Kidman had an evil stepmother, uh -huh. 
Oh, that too. There's just something really pinched and pulled back around, about her. You know what I mean? I was staring at her. She Every hypnotized hair. me again today. She's on the cover of uh, Newsweek. Newsweek. Yeah, and, it's, and it says something about like... Who is Cindy McCain? Is her name Cindy? Cindy yeah. McCain. And the answer is a baby-eating zombie creature. Uh, so there's, uh, I mean, I don't, and I don't know how much, doesn't she look like she sees through you? Uh-huh. I mean, when you look at Cindy McCain, doesn't it look like those eyes just pierce directly? And I don't mean like in a good way, uh, you know, like when you meet your soulmate or you, you know, you, you, your eyes meet across a crowded room and it's like he looks into my heart and sees away. I don't mean like that. I mean like She'll Cindy McCain. She'll in a dungeon for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> She'll keep you locked up while carving off bits of your uh, carving off bits of your body to fry up in a pan. I wouldn't want to be in a room alone with her. Cindy McCain looks at you as though she is wondering exactly how much she could get for your bone marrow on the black market. That's exactly. She's looking at you, and in her head, she's taking you apart into small pieces and I wondering. Well selling Alistair Coots. <laughs> That's it, right? I mean, it's like exactly how much. I wonder what his blood tastes like. That's what goes on in Cindy McCain's head when she looks at somebody. My stew. Yeah. Here's Tim Riley. A man apparently climbed over a fence in Longview where he slipped and was impaled on a metal post. The homeowner found the body Monday of a 26-year-old Longview man, James Lee Foster. They don't know why he was climbing over the fence, but he may have slipped because it was wet from rain. Oh, by the way, here we go. Rick, the Oregon Country Fair. This is the thing. This is not the hippie camp thing that my wife is going to. Uh, that is this. And I don't know what else to call it because that's what she calls it. So I that that's the, I think the, the thing she's going to this weekend is not like a festival or an, I think it's just a bunch of it's like when we did that thing on Thanksgiving where all the geek squad we all went out to the coast and just had a house for the weekend. I think it's like that uh but with like body odor. But smellier exactly. <laughs> yeah, but with lice. Uh so I think that's that's what you're going to this weekend. He says, "Rick, the Oregon Country Fair is a disgusting event and reeks of pot and patchouli. I've never seen such a hideous concoction of greasy dreadlocks and dirty feet." A friend of mine tried dancing in the uh, tried dancing in the drum circle and was peacefully banned for life by the hippie consortium that runs this terrible event. And I guess it doesn't take place. Here's another uh, here's another way of saying stay away. It doesn't even take place in Eugene. It takes place outside of Eugene, because Eugene itself isn't like small and hideous enough. Wait, hold on. Richie Bristol, is it true that you worked at the country fair? Yes, sir. What did you do there? <laughs> if they help people park. I think so. Is that funny? It sounds funny to me. It does. All right. Uh, was it filled with disgusting hippies? I couldn't smell them. Okay, that's really funny. Uh, and so forth. Here's Tim Rudley. We've all had that creepy feeling of something crawling on our skin, scurrying across our scalp, scuttling around the base of our neck. Usually it's our imagination, but for a woman in Levittown, New York, that creepy feeling was all too real. Nita Bucata was quarantined after she became infested with bird mites, tiny insect-like parasites that normally live on birds. The mites entered her home through a wild bird's nest in her bathroom vent. The nearly invisible bloodsuckers took over her bathroom and swarmed into her after she took a shower. Swarmed into her. Before long, her body was covered with red bumps and welts from the mites. Uh, the bugs crawled into her nose, her ears, her mouth, and other places. <laughs> In parentheses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where was this at? I mean, Levittown, New York. <laughs> oh, not here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and other places. And other places. <laughs> and the rest. <laughs> uh... Yes, upwards of 
percent of all people have these mites living in their body on a permanent basis. Is someone named Zach? That's not. Oh, see, now we're all scratching. I know. And that's not true. Uh, uh, head lice stick to the head and the nape of the neck, while pubic lice, commonly known as crabs to teenagers, live elsewhere where there's coarse body hair, beers, mustaches, armpits, elsewhere. And points further south. The body louse is more of a commuter bug, says Zach. It feeds on your body, but normally lives and lays its eggs in your furniture and carpeting. Another popular drop-in guest is the bed oh. bug that crawls up from behind pictures, peeling wallpaper, or wooden molding in order to feast on its favorite midnight snack, human blood. Ticks and fleas usually jump aboard for a quick meal, too. Chiggers will live in our bodies temporarily, but they don't feed on our blood. They, they inject us with their spit. They inject us with their spit. Chigger. I barely knew her. Millions of Americans, primarily in Appalachia in the South, are currently infected with worms and parasites. <laughs> Confirming all that we suspected to be true. That's uh, disgusting. All right. Well, proper grooming is key, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Although, stories like that are sort of unnerving because they make it sound like no matter how much you shower, shave, clean, finesse, whatever, yes. you're just going to be covered in, in, in parasites regardless. Yes. All right. A slipping log has killed a 61-year-old man at a relative's farm southwest of Roseburg. Christopher Lyle said his uncle John was clearing trees from around the house to protect it from fire when a log hit him in the chest. Uh, Lyles was a former worker at the Veterans Administration Medical Center in Roseburg. He moved to his brother's property about six weeks ago to help with the yard work. By the way, this email said, are you guys getting a lot of emails from people claiming we have a squeaky door? No. Yes. Just one one specific person. The door to your studio is squeaky. I can hear it every time it opens. Get someone to put some WD-40 on it. It's driving me crazy. Best show ever. I've been listening about a year passing along the word, says Sarah. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I usually hear from a guy. I don't even really... Hold on a second. But i, I got to open the door. Hold on. Oh, that is pretty squeaky. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm just so used to it. Hold on. That is incredibly squeaky. I think, yeah, I just the studio's must, falling apart. I must just block it out at this point. All right, well, we'll uh, we'll get somebody on that. Um, let's see. Oh, God, I have the worst email about this Oregon Country Fair thing. Do it. I mean, again, get, really, and I mean this with with all my heart. God, God bless her for for you know being slightly different than I am because that's you know I, you know you don't want to be with somebody exactly like you. But really, further bless her for understanding that that's a thing I'll never go to. And for asking once out of courtesy, knowing that I would say no. That's the thing about it. Like, she asks out of politeness. She says, so I'm going to that Oregon Country Fair. Do you want to go? And then she says it with just that slightly bemused look on her face, like she knows that the whole idea is anathema to me. And I said, no, I'd rather die. And she says, that's what I thought. Just checking. Rick. Once at the country fair, I watched Fascinated as three youngsters with dreadlocks spent about half an hour in the toilet with long sticks trying to fish out a joint that one of them had dropped into there. Why were you watching guys in the toilet for half an hour? Yeah. That's what we want to know. Uh, I guess because, I mean... Well, it's interesting. It just seems like hell. It just seems like a lot of stoners and a lot of people dressed in costumes and really hot. And, and dirt. Dirty. That's what I think. Don't you picture it as being hot and dusty? Mm -hmm. I picture it not even being dirty, although I'm sure it would be. I picture it being hot and dusty and there being nowhere to sponge off. And, like, all the overflowing garbage cans and oh, stuff. Oh, totally. And, oh. I mean, and, a, like, a, like, a lot of, like, sort of a terrible, like a like a Saturday market in hell or in Fallujah. Uh, where it's just like endless dusty roads and then people sitting there at like card tables selling clay pipes that they've made, you know, while and then there's and then there's the constant and then this I can't do it. I was going to make the drum sound, but the constant like bum, 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 in the background, like someone is playing the middle section of Inagata de Vida over and over again for three days in a row. Mm. 
Here's Tim Riley. Well, that's like the farmer's market next to my house on the weekend. It has nothing from a farm. Nothing. No. Like lawn chairs, soap, <laughs> hanging trinkets, little bells. From the lawn chair bush. Giant burritos. Like that comes from Kansas. Uh, all right, then. Uh-oh. Pandemonium at LAX. A man who reportedly claimed he was a terrorist has just surrendered to police. The man told police he had a bomb in his bag. Cars are being diverted near the Tom Bradley International Terminal, where the bomb squad is checking things out. Traffic shut, shut down about the upper and lower levels. So that's going to have a trickle-down effect for people coming and going out of LAX all afternoon. And LAX is not like... The LAX is not like a flawlessly run airport under the best of circumstances. No, it's <laughs> I mean, the great thing about LAX, LAX is sort of fascinating. It's kind of like a, like a time capsule because there are sections of LAX that are really new and have, have recently been remade. And then there are sections of LAX that you can tell haven't been touched or changed or altered since like 1965. Kind of like Hollywood itself. Really? Kind of like Hollywood itself. I mean, there are sections there where you can, and you know, you, you can just tell from the linoleum pattern or the walls or the paint or the furniture when stuff was from the 60s or the 70s. And there's whole chunks of, like, these sort of backwater areas in LAX that obviously look like they're right at a dragnet. I mean, they're from 40 years ago. So, um, all right, here's Tim Riley. A truck loaded with vegetables crashed on I-5 North Anja south of Salem today. Closed down two lanes. And uh, motorists were told to expect delays, and there were plenty, but... Things have since reopened. The Vancouver man who was struck by lightning last week is showing signs of slow but steady improvement. Uh, Daniel Thomas, a certified arborist and tree assessor, remains at Emanuel. He was working in Damascus Sunday afternoon when a bolt of lightning hit him and Edward Wetterland, a 61-year-old homeowner. Thompson was transported to the hospital in critical condition. The other guy's in stable condition. He was already released. And the National Weather Service says the odds of being struck by lightning in any given year is 1 in 400,000. Hey, who wants to hear what the cops are doing downtown right now? Yes, I do. I do. Hey, Rick, I was getting some lunch and I saw two undercover... By the way, this is local and relatable. This is news as it happens. Local, relatable. I was getting some lunch and I saw two undercover squad cars and four to five police on motorcycles at the Taylor and Broadway intersection. Now, this is interesting. They were the Taylor and Broadway intersection... Nailing people left and right over that newly placed green bike box at the intersection. Says they also nailed somebody on a bike for not using that. Uh, now, but that doesn't make any sense. I thought you had to, for not using the lane. People don't know what that stuff is. No, but there's no bike lane downtown. That doesn't make any sense. Maybe they They've made in. some. Are you? I wonder if he's maybe just talking at the intersection where you're supposed to go into that green box. Okay, maybe they were still behind a car. Or or off to the yeah, right. how are you supposed okay. to do that? I think you are, and sometimes you'll still see bicycles off to the right of a car, which is really dangerous, because that's if they make the right-hand turn, they'll Except kill you. So they made the bike box so that you're not to the side of the car, you're in front of it. Anyone who's downtown right now, get into the green box and stay there, so you're told to leave. <laughs> Everybody get into the green box, please. The green box is for standing and ticketing only. There is no parking in the green box. Uh, anyway, so so there you go. Well, which is fine. I mean, I, you know what? I, I appreciate anything they do to sort of make... Not just for cyclists, but just I appreciate anything to do to make traffic a little easier and less uh, fatal uh, for anybody. Those green boxes are kind of weird, though. They still, I still am not quite sure how to handle those. For example, they're colorful. Laura and I were driving. I did, it did a pleasing shade of green, uh -huh. wouldn't you say? Uh, Laura and I were driving home from the movie last night, and we came to an intersection with one of those green boxes. But it was at night. It was like nine o'clock, and so there's no cyclist traffic. And so then my question was: In the absence of cyclists, am I still supposed to park way back from that thing? Or in the absence, or, or do I pull all the way up? So, in other words, I I, I, uh, I treat that green box at the intersections as though there are always cyclists in it. It's very confusing. So, well, all right. And my yeah. and the other thing is, 
if you're writing an, and we won't, I guess, maybe discuss it, it's just tedious, but if you're, if there's many cyclists, like in rush hour, are you all supposed to cram yourself into the green box? Well, because it turns green in the bike lane. Like, it's a regular bike lane, and then there's kind of, like, it starts to become green still in the bike lane, and then it goes into the box. It's like an L shape. You great if it changed color. Yeah, I mean, it's like that NFL thing that tells you where the first down is. So, well, all right. Well, I mean, step in the right direction, I guess. Um, and the other thing is, I was driving today, and I very seldom drive. I was just driving because I was bringing dogs to Saudi Island. But I noticed a sign that said, speed limit, 20 miles an hour, school is in session. I'm wondering, are these kids on school vacation already? How would I know, not having children, whether or not school is in session or if they're done for the summer? Then it's just said they were or when they are in session. How am I supposed to know when they are not having children? That's a really good point. Because I never know that. I don't know. How do I know that this high school is now for the rest of the year and I should slow down? Or might I continue at a normal speed because school is no longer in session for the summer? That's a really good point, especially because, I mean, I don't know. Oh, really I don't know if kids much. are in school. I right? have no idea. For all, for all yeah. I know, we could do that year-round schooling thing here. Mm-hmm. Is it just September to June, do you think? I don't know. Some of them are handy. They will have the, the yellow blinking light. Although, have you noticed this, this trick they'll do? Where sometimes that yellow light is just set to go off during school, like, crossing hours. But even when school isn't in, like, on Saturday. Or, you know, in August or something. So, well, that's just that's a revenue-generating thing. Uh, but you're totally right about that. The, the, you just have no, there is really no way to tell whether school's in session or not unless you have kids of your own. So if I went before the judge, that would be an argument, wouldn't it? Yeah. I suppose. Um, let's see. Uh, there's more. Um, Rick, I lived in Eugene for eight years. I never went to the country fair. Everybody thinks it's so strange if you live there and don't go. I don't need to see women without T-shirts who ought not be topless. I don't need your special brownie, you goddamn hippie. I need to stay inside with the curtains closed and play video games. Leave me alone. Best show ever, Jen. All right, well, Just on that we can... Uh, <laughs> you don't work and play well with others. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Uh, TriMet is adding max service to a number of fireworks displays throughout the region this year. Max will run on regular Saturday schedules with buses operating on regular Sunday schedules. Like, anybody's going to remember this. Uh, by the way, can, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I, it's, it's about a, it's about a previous story. I didn't know if you were done. Well, so what is this the TriMet thing? So they're screwing us again. How? They're going to run on regular Saturday schedules with buses operating on regular Sunday schedules. In the past, Max has operated regular Sunday schedules for the holiday. So on the Fourth of July, Max will run on regular Saturday service. Buses will run on regular Sunday service. All Max trains will be double. How on earth did they expect everybody to I don't there? understand what's going on, especially because isn't there the big blues festival going on? Yes, it began today. Uh, let's see. I have uh, I have copy points for that. All, oh, let's hear. all Max trains will be double, so they'll stack them on top of each other. Uh, it's very confusing. So why not ride with drunken strangers at all hours of the night? Wait, hold on. I don't know where my... Uh, and apparently they're going to be fireworks during the Beavers game. I don't know where my, my blues fest copy points went. I'll find them. I'll read them later. Um, but so... Well, so all this means is there's going to be a bunch of people showing up to try to get on the match or the bus, and then they won't be able to because nobody knows when it's happening. Yeah. Eventually they'll show up. That's great. Don't that's worry about that's it. wonderful. All right. Rick, first year indoor is incredibly squeaky. It has been for months and months. You can hear it every time. I myself have thought about dropping off WD 40. Anywho, I can think of almost nothing more horrifying than stepping out of the shower and having tiny parasites, quote, swarm into my and the rest regions. Wasn't there some sort of Stephen King movie where tiny black clouds of evil penetrated your body through every available opening? Oh. Honestly, just picture yourself getting out of the shower and seeing clouds of parasites moving towards you, and no matter how much you swat or ride, you just see them entering your eyes and, quote, bathing suit area. 
What makes it even worse is that I was walking through my yard when Tim read this story, and when he said the swarming part, I walked through a giant spider web and couldn't get it off my head. I'm going to go cry now. <laughs> Glad to help. <laughs> uh, All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Good day, Rick Emerson. Hello, sir. I'm calling about the school zones. All right. All right. All right. So when I was a boy, I got a ticket in the school zone because they said 20 miles an hour when children are present. And it was 10 a.m. Now, isn't the state law that the students are supposed to be inside and having their schooling? Unless they're hooligans. And so the police officer slash and said, well, it's when you would expect children to be there during school hours. But then my argument was that the students, it was a law that you had to be in school, and at 10 a.m. you best be inside, get you know, getting the schooling. So shortly after that, they did the uh, the flashing light thing, um, and then they had the ambiguous um, during school hours, mm -hmm. um, which is, is crap as well because well, it doesn't, right I mean, now, I mean, you know, Benson High School right where near Lloyd Center has a pile of kids coming out at lunchtime, and it's what July second, and are, they're having some sort of summer school. Well, so. I, this is all just structured so the some man can, can man, the man can ticket you whenever he likes. Well, uh. I'm. What, what do they say? I'm I'm sick and tired of it, and I won't, I'm not going to take it anymore. No, yeah. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Good for you, sir. Thank you. All right, thank you. Oh, by the way, so somebody sent me a link to the Country Fair website. Um, here's how you know it's a thing I'm never going to go to. Uh, because on the front, first of all, there's a picture of a bunch of people with their shirts off. And then I'm looking under um, the, the uh, whatever, like visitor information or something. And I'm here's some of the here's some of the things they list. And they have like where to stay and you know backpack storage, lost and found. Oh, and then man. and then they say this. And then this is one of the menu options: alter abled. Alter abled. What does that mean? Alter abled. Wait, where are you? I, I'm on OregonCountyFair.org. Yeah. And I'm looking at visitor information, that drop-down menu, and it says alter-abled. What, what does that, that mean? Is that Al some... Alternatively abled? Perhaps uh, a nicer way of saying, like, handicapped? I think it means handicapped, you idiots. <laughs> I mean... Alter-abled access advocacy group. Oh, come on! Stop it. All of you go home. No, seriously. <laughs> you get enough of the good parking spaces on a regular day. Also known as... The country fair for <laughs> also known as the 4A crew... Oh, for the love of God. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, Tim speaks for all of us right now. We've really? given up. <laughs> we, we've I, given and given and given and we've given enough. You get to far closer to Safeway than I do. That ought to be enough. <laughs> I dated someone who spent a, gr a great deal of time trying to convince me to go to this. To the Oregon Country Fair? Yeah. No, really? Yeah. Oh, I can see that. Every year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Alter abled. Okay, how about this? Fair do's and don'ts. I want to see pictures. What to, what to what to bring to have a fabulous time? Your festive spirit. Your sparkly duds. Beads and feathers and costumes. Kill me. Kill me. Oh my God! There's a giant like person dressed as a liberty clown. Uh, a liberty clown. <laughs> a liberty clown sounds like some like some bad grade Z corporate mascot. What to bring? Your sparkly duds, Sarah. Beads and feathers and costumes are always welcome. Uh, let's see. I didn't what? realize that they went. Oh, God. Oh. oh, that's pregnant women with writing all over their bodies. 
Oh, God. oh Jesus! Sparkly like flowers in their hair. Let's see. Um, what to? Oh wait, hold on. What to leave at home to have a fabulous time? Attitude. <laughs> no, no, no. Judgment. All your cares and woes. All right. We have things that you might need. Uh, diaper service, information booth, toilets. Grown men in fairy costumes. And the most magic in any one place ever. Jesus, it's like a fair done by Doug Henning. Oh, my God, you've got to go through the photo gallery. Uh, do I really? Alter-abled. I don't think I can look. <laughs> Tim, I don't you, know where the photo gallery is. Where's the photo it's gallery? It's the furthest option over to the right. Oh, photo gallery. We're looking at the photo gallery for the Oregon Country Fair. What Jesus. Was... Oh, All right, what am I looking at here? Um, let's see. I'm looking at the first set All of right, photos. All right, here we are. The Oregon Country Fair. You can see this, by the way, at OregonCountryFair.org. Is where and you the can... first picture is a tie-dye T-shirt. Oh, of course it is. Oh, just, oh, man. Oh. This is just all I hate about people. Come on. I mean, that's... I, You know, no to each their own, but... Of this. No, you see what I mean? Like, like I can... And they're dancing. There's a dance circle of people on stilts. I would freak out. And see, and of course, there are all of these, like, spongy pregnant women with writing all over their bodies. Imagine being born to one of these people. Oh, for the love of... Yeah, and doesn't it just the whole thing looks like it And are you stinks. required to be middle-aged to go here? The whole thing. Oh, God. Do you see the picture on the top, though, with the guy with the striped, like, clown? No, I just saw this couple that are nude except for fig leaves. Excellent. Oh, <laughs> exactly, Tim. It's not Bernie, man. It's Smelly, man. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm done. And what is with mimes? I think Can we move past mimes as a culture? Can we all just take a vote and decide that the era of interesting miming is done? It's we're finished with that. We, I'm I'm done with g- girls dressing like sexy fairies. Yeah. I can't I can't handle it. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm done. I'm yeah. All right. There you go. <sighs> well, so that's a thing. That. That's a thing I don't have to go to. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Good afternoon. How are y'all doing today? Uh, I'm Hi. fantastic. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Eugene, and uh, it was. Uh, Unfortunate enough to go to the country fair multiple times. Um, you know, at least I was fortunate enough to go before they sold out to corporate sponsors, uh, such as one of the leading uh, cola manufacturers around. And uh, then with the year they did sell out, and it was it was completely. Different. Let me ask you this. Hold on. Let me ask you this. What does that mean when you say they sold out? Well, one year it was all about the peace, love, and hippies, and you know, just music and everything. The next year it was like every every turn you went around, there was a Pepsi logo or a Pepsi banner or uh, you know, it, it just ridiculous. So basically, they went and found found some uh, sold some advertising and marketing. Nothing wrong with that. You know, good old hippies grasping the. Uh, well, here's or, or uh, and, yeah. <laughs> All right. And okay, and we're done. Thank you. I appreciate your call. I, you know, I was. Uh, thank you, my friend. I was about to get into a whole discussion, but I realized I just don't care. Uh, all right. Uh, well, let's. Oh, Jesus! It's like twelve forty. You know, what we got to do now. We have to sell out a little bit right now. The sound you're about to hear is of us selling out Could to the be. highest bidder. Exactly. You're about to hear four and a half minutes of KCMD making money. Selling our goods, our services, our wares, our time to anybody who has the money to buy it. That's what makes us uh, the greatest country on earth. Tim Riley, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Separates us from the savages. All right. Stay there. Back after this.
Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming by. Rick, this email says, I remember one year there was a guy who was waging a furious campaign to boycott the Oregon Country Fair because the fair officials would not let him sell pot in the nude. They said he had to wear something. There was no way he was going to let the man force him to wear a loincloth, so he boycotted the whole thing. All right. That'll show him. Uh, let's see. Here's uh, one more. Rick. I was dragged last year to the Oregon Country Fair by my wife, and you are right about it being uh, dusty. Uh, he says, however, they do feel with the deal with the garbage very well. He said, and then he lists some good and bad things about it. Here's this is the best bad thing about it. He says, if you camp there, be prepared for teenagers doing mushrooms behind your tent and screaming into the night. Note, there is no way you can be prepared for this. Uh, also, vegan food served to you by strangers with very questionable hygiene. Plus, street performers turn out to be interesting for five minutes and then unbelievably irritating for every minute beyond that. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Time for a monkey watch. Here's your monkey watch for uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Mm. I know. I'm trying to... Mm. Where is it? There's so many buttons. Mm. J.K. Mm. Well, caretakers for the chimp called Mo, who escaped into California's San Bernardino Mountains, are Mo! hoping... They're hoping he'll come back on his own. Jungle exotics, so they're he's joking. He's not going to come back on his own. One? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, he's off to... No, he's he's not ready. Why would he go back? Well, caretakers have put out plenty of the chip's favorite foods, including bananas, fruit, cereal grains, testicles. plus some of his favorite people food, not including the face <laughs> or testicles. He also likes things like, you know, burritos. <laughs> and, you know, he does like soda pop. He likes to get his water in, in containers that he can open. Mm-hmm. Make the testicles. Yeah. Uh, if, if you should see Mo, uh, don't try to approach him by yourself. Try to keep him in sight if possible. Try to make a good identification. You know, if he goes into an area where he's out of sight, it would really help us if they mark the area. Jesus, <laughs> I think you'll mark it with your urine uh-huh. as, you, as you are peeing yourself out of terror. Because it's a chimpanzee, right? Yes. And, you know, we had that story a long time ago when we first started talking about it, that they have a thousand, they can deadlift a thousand pounds with each arm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that means like not using a lever or a pulley or whatever. I mean, that deadlifting is just like if there's a, like a, a brick on the ground that weighs 1,000 pounds, they can just lift that with each arm. I mean, that's, a, that's enough to pull off the testicles of 1,000 men. Mm-hmm. Um, so He's it, been building up his strength, too. I don't think you were here yesterday when we revealed, when they were, we were talking about the TV interview with the guy that had his face ripped off. And they revealed, oh, I heard that. Did, did we, we revealed his, his new nose was held on. <laughs> his new nose is held, held on to his face by magnets. That's convenient, though. I don't know why that strikes me as so funny. There's just something. You've really latched onto this magnet nose there's thing. Something, there's something about the way that sentence is constructed. His new nose is held on with magnets. It's good old fashioned Yankee ingenuity. <laughs> I suppose. Um, so here's another question. So this monkey that tore off the guy's face and testicles. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, was the guy even wearing any pants? I mean, did the monkey have to tear through the pants first? I don't think he was running around naked. It was the monkey's birthday party. It wasn't the Oregon Country Fair. I don't think so. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that's kind of odd. In a way, I find that even more impressive that he's able to go, like, right through the guy's jeans or whatever. So, I mean, it's one thing if you could just get a handhold and tear, you know. You just, that's, just sort of a, that's just sort of a grab and pull kind of a thing. Whereas, I mean, if a guy's wearing dungarees, I would say that takes a little bit of doing. 
Maybe he tricked the human into taking his pants off first. Well, they're prepared for the next time because it, it's easy removal with the magnets. <laughs> Who knows? It's where a else brand new breakaway nose. Right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's a stunt nose. <laughs> now, <laughs> are you tired of your nose being torn off by rampaging chimpanzees? Now get Ronco's new breakaway nose. So the monkey just grabs and it's just sort of... All right. It's easy. Yes. Even a monkey could do it. Uh, please discuss the process of getting Mo back into the sanctuary if he is spotted. We'll move out immediately. And then we'll get to there and, and myself or somebody that knows him well enough to approach him in a safe manner and try to get him to sit down with us, get him to interest in food or something, you know, grooming. Chimps do a lot of different more than you like eat when you work with them. <laughs> they groom you, you groom them. And then we'll have him in a position where hopefully if he's calm, we can move him into a container. Or, of course, if, if we can't <laughs> into a get container. Him good How about a coffin? That's a good container for him. We'll arrive and, and we'll try to sedate Don't get me wrong. I root for the monkey here. I really do. I mean, I root for the chimp in this, in this scenario, as I usually do in instances of man versus nature. But this is why... I, and I hate to sort of be tying this back into again to the Oregon Country Fair, but I mean, but, but this is why people just hate empty-headed hippies. I mean, because this idiot human is just sitting there convinced that he can somehow reason with or make friends with the chimp, which is just like how the guy got his face torn off, right? Uh -huh. it, didn't it, isn't it the whole thing where the chimp lived with this couple, he got violent, and so they had to take him to this primate house where he lived, and if I am not remembering this incorrectly, then they threw a birthday. They party. threw a birthday party where you're just, and I don't know what it looks like, but you know, you're just picturing them all like around a little card table with like the pointy, the pointy hats on, sitting with the, well, the then, chimp then, sitting there in a high chair with a cake in front of him, and the just looked like a human pinata. After the, <laughs> except that it wasn't candy that spilled out on the ground. <laughs> It's a pinata filled only with blood. <laughs> That's what the One swing, baby. <laughs> Anywho, the monkey misunderstood the object of the game. <laughs> How many licks does it take to the? <laughs> uh, the uh, anyway, but so they're sitting there having a birthday party. It just sounds retarded on the face of it. Having a birthday party for a chimpanzee that you had to get rid of because you thought it was going to kill you. Um. I mean, nobody has a birthday party for Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, I mean, not anymore. But, I mean, you know, nobody does that. Nobody says, hey, uh, no, where's, maybe the thought was that. where's that serial rapist? Let's all sit around and have a birthday party. So they're having a birthday party for this chimp that they already know is dangerous. The chimp then makes good on its reputation by tearing the guy's scrotum and face off. And now they're, again, they're just these moronic humans who think that they can somehow commune with nature, that they're trying to, like, the guy said that they're going to try to calm him down by grooming with him. I mean, I think there comes a point when you've just got to recognize that you are not meant to be coexisting with that animal and that one of you has to go. How about they give him a pet egg? Exactly. Ugh, Jesus. Get rid of that dead skin. <laughs> Might change his little <laughs> Maybe if he has more supple feet. Oh, good God. All right, well, there you go. Here's your monkey watch for... Uh... <laughs> You can make a fantastic reality show by just strapping a, a camera under that monkey and letting it loose in New York. Oh, well, that is true, yes. Imagine all the genitals he could tear there. Uh, Rick. <laughs> what, 
What would happen if you if you brought that giant degausser thing around the guy with the magnet nose? Would the whole thing just implode like a black hole? <laughs> Probably. Uh, it would fall into a pile of magnets. <laughs> All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, speaking of smelly hippies, a lot of people do sweat, especially now that the heat of summer is upon us. But for 8 million people, excessive sweating is a major problem. It can happen every day of the year, even in cool conditions. Is it Monday already? No. A dermatologist Dr. D. N. Glazer says many are turning to modern solutions to combat the problem of excess sweating. There are things like topical prescription-based uh, antiperspirants. There's Botox injections. Um, that's actually an FDA-approved treatment for excessive sweating of the underarms. There's some oral medication. So um, the dermatologist can really come up with a plan that will help that individual patient. That's right. Botox will solve your sweating problem. Uh, a set of Botox injections in the underarm um, is a little bit more expensive. <sighs> but certainly um, the duration of a Botox treatment is very good. It lasts an average of about six to seven months. And about 25% of patients will get even a year from one single treatment of Botox. I don't like anything that paralyzes any set of my body muscles. That seems like it could go wrong really easily. Uh-huh. Uh, and plus, doesn't it sound like Botox would be painful? Like if your muscles were paralyzed? That doesn't sound like it would be comfortable. It seems like a thing that would hurt. Listen, if you have my teeth, you're used to getting needles all the time. <laughs> and having half your face paralyzed for the rest of the day. You can totally one, more needle, one more needle isn't going to hurt me. Uh, I, suppose, I suppose that's true. Needles scare me. Uh, they are scary. I, I always shut my eyes. I'm told when they're coming. Yeah, you, it's just sort of the, uh, you sound like Jan Berry from Jan and Dean. Like you know? Needle, needle, needle. <laughs> that man's curve. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I've got another monkey watch for you, unless you already talked about it. Mm, what is it, sir? Uh, have you heard about the Japanese cell phone commercial that had the monkey at the podium like he was giving a political speech? No. Well, uh, I just I was just at the gym today, and I saw this on the news, and they were making a big deal about it, like um, the monkey was supposed to be Barack Obama. Oh. And they, they pulled the average Japanese person on the street, and they just said, oh, that's cute, but kind of boring, because they've seen monkeys. Wait, hold on. Before. I don't understand what we're talking about. Where did this... And I have to confess, I was only listening with half my brain here. Oh, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll start over real quickly. Apparently, there's a Japanese uh, cell phone company that has right. a commercial out there, and it shows like a giant auditorium full of people, and they're all holding these big signs that say, change, change, and right at the end of the commercial, the person at the podium is a monkey giving a speech. And That seems girl... uncomfortable and horrible. horrible. Well, kind of. But, is, but... Seriously, what the hell is wrong with people? <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's a Japanese company and this is a commercial being broadcast in japan so well, the deal is being made of it like the monkey is supposed to be barack obama but they asked the average japanese guy on the street and they said like you know like i was telling you that's cute but we've seen a monkey before they made no connection to the american political campaign and this moron gets on tv saying well the japanese people should have known better they should how are they supposed to know like we pay attention to anything political going on in any you other know, country in the world I don't know. It just seems like we do live. I mean, I think it well, makes. Japan, Japan seems to really know the American culture. I was just well. going to say we do live in kind of a global society. Look, I'm not. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know. Whatever. But I mean, especially coming on the heels of that southern idiot that made the the curious George Obama oh, yeah. shirt or whatever it was, that moron. So it does seem like we live in sort of a global society. I would think that if you are. Let me put it this way. I think if you're plugged in enough to be working in an advertising agency in one of the most populous nations on earth. Uh, that you probably uh, 
have seen, you know, some sort of political coverage of what's going on in America. That seems like a that seems like an uncomfortably that seems uncomfortably close to that to that idiot shirt thing we were talking about a few weeks ago. Well, we'll move on from that. But I, yeah, it's just you know I people are stupid. And every time I hear this, it just it, whatever. It's frustrating. It but I mean, like, we didn't. It's not like we didn't not expect it. I mean, well, you know, you just there's just there really there really there really is no getting rid of stupidity. It's just sort of there forever. Um, let's see here. Well, this is about the all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey, hi. Um, Hey, uh, Tim reported a news story just a, a little while ago before the last break, and um, it was about the guy that got convicted of murder and dismemberment of two people. Yeah, the, the landlord thing, yeah. Right. Well, I thought you'd like to know that that was what you and I were both called to jury duty for. Really? Is that true? So we had speculated about that because... Yeah, well, I, I had called and said, hey, we were on the same jury duty. Well, I showed up for it. Fool. I don't think you did. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't get selected, but I do have the paperwork from it, and that's what it was for. Wait, hold on. So this is, okay, now about a month ago, I had gotten called to jury duty, and right. it was like, you you will be in jury duty for eight weeks, which turned out to be wrong. Uh, and I was like, well, you know, I don't want to go to this. Screw, screw my civic duty. I have I have money to make. And so I got the CBS got me out of jury duty, and then later we, you had also called saying, hey, I think you got someone to the same jury, and that was based on the room number that I'd given. And and I think Tim and Sarah had speculated that this was the trial to which they had called me. And so it turns out that was, in fact, the case. So you showed up. So what happened when you showed up? Well, um... I, I have never up. gone to jury duty before, so I have no idea what goes on there. Well, like, 200 other people were there, and they gave us this packet about a quarter of an inch thick, what, which I have a copy of, by the way, if you'd like to see it. And is it do they grill you about, like, like, what kind of stuff do they ask you? like a billion questions and they ask the same sort of things over and over like um well they want to know your education history and employer history and where you've lived and um do they ask you if you uh, do they ask you if you are opposed to the death penalty yes there was a whole section about that and they asked the same questions just kind of rearranged over right. and over about you know how you felt about it and and how difficult of a decision it would make. Because it seems like you if you were and, someone who was opposed to the death penalty, you just wouldn't get selected for any case like this ever, period. Yeah, well, I, I don't know, because they never really made that clear. They mm. said that, that your answers to those, that there were no wrong answers. Mm -hmm. So, but if they're going for the death penalty, obviously they're... All right, now, so you didn't get picked. Did you, you, they talked to you and then they just said, like, no, or they sent you home, or what? Well, no, they said that if you're, they called people up in um, groups of six, and gave you some more information and then right. sent you on your way. And then after they did that a few times and they booked up every day until uh, I believe it was the 13th of last and, month. And was there just like a day when they just said like yes or no? They just like called you and said, well, it's, you're not well, in. No, Sorry. Said, if you haven't been called by this date, ah. then. Are you, are you sort of sad when you heard about this or are you sort of bummed out that you weren't on the jury? I mean, because I, I read the thing and I thought it sounded like an interesting case. But then again, I, I don't know how much responsibility right. I want to take for somebody's life. Well, that's what I'm saying. So together, Shannon, you and I have ducked our civic duty once again. <laughs> well, hey, I showed up. I, I got to <laughs> I didn't even do that. <laughs> uh, I got to take the couple hours of public transportation. and. Did you get paid for just showing up? $14.20. $14. That's right. It's like being I a Nielsen family. All right. Thank you, Shannon. 
no problem. All right, there you go. That's uh, Shannon. All right. Well, There'll be go. other murders. Yeah, I was just going to say, it is Portland. There'll be somebody else who's killed in a grisly and horrible fashion on KCMD Portland. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Yay. Starbucks has announced it'll close 600 of its stores nationwide. In New York, where there's a seemingly a Starbucks at every corner, customers had mixed reactions. Some people, like Kathy, say closing a few might just be a good thing for everyone. Because there's way too many of them. There's one on every corner. There's, there's, it's, it's, it's insane. We need other, we need other pl- things, you know. We need mom-and-pop shops. <laughs> Paul said there are too many Starbucks in New York. Ah, uh, they got so many in the city. Uh, it's probably good they closed a couple of them. So here's really the- going out of the limb there, Paul. There's a lot of Starbucks around, aren't there? They sent somebody else to do these interviews. I guess. I mean, all right. Here's someone no one's heard from in a long time, Rudy Giuliani. He says the U.S. needs to be uh, vigilant about possible terrorist attacks. Oh, please. He says the Democrats and Barack Obama are doing all the wrong things. They want to treat this as a criminal justice matter, and it isn't. This is, this, is how, this, this is the thing we failed to see in 1993 when they attacked us at the World Trade Center. It was treated purely as a criminal justice matter. We've got to get beyond that. This is a war. He's going to reinvent himself. Put a yeah. sock in it. Al Qaeda's going to strike us again. Do I believe that they are attempting to attack us again? Absolutely. Do I know if they'll be successful at that? I hope not. They have attempted to attack us again. Whatever, Rudy. <laughs> just say, okay. Please go away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, come, come back in five years as a corporate spokesperson. You know, that's his, you know that's his inevitable destiny, right? He's just going to be one of those guys that they bring to town in one of those package motivation seminar deals where it's like him and Colin Powell and Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar. Uh, you know, and you and you, you, know, you get like a special corporate rate of only forty four ninety five a person. Come to the Rose Garden to see, and it's like a whole day of, of guys standing up there and giving you motivational speeches, and he'll be one of them. That's it. Well, some beef has been recalled at Fred Meyer. Attention carnivores. Fred Meyer's parent company has announced a recall of ground beef sold at its stores after reports of an E. coli outbreak in the Midwest. Cincinnati-based Kroger has recalled ground beef products in plastic foam tray wrappings. Uh, they were purchased at Firma Service County at Fred Meyer's and QFC stores between May 21st and July 5th. Kroger. Additionally, the company is recalling ground beef under the private selection natural label. Well, there's nothing natural about this, is there? Uh, Kroger said the sell-by dates on the product are July 11th through July 21st. This beef is linked to uh, Omaha-based Nebraska beef, the supplier of products connected with the E. coli illness in Michigan and central and northern Ohio. So if you're a beef eater, make sure you check carefully the ground beef you brought home in your refrigerator and freezer. The beef can be returned for a full refund or replacement from other beef that'll make you ill. <laughs> a child falls 25 feet in a department store. Apparently this happened in Medford. A four-year-old girl from California fell 25 feet, landing on her face and fracturing her skull. Uh, Alexandra Martin became separated from her mother and somehow fell from the second store of Kohl's. Down the escalator shaft, the mother, Amy, had been searching for her daughter when she heard uh, people uh, scampering about on the floor. When the crews arrived, they found a little girl injured at the bottom of the escalator. She was taken to Rogue Valley Medical Center to be treated. They came from uh, Eureka, California, to shop at Kohl's. Uh, President Bush says, let's send more troops into Afghanistan. It's been a tough month there. Uh, how many troops do we have there now? About 30,000? And the Russians, back in their mean old days, where they could kill anything, had 100,000 on the ground, and they lost. And they lost. I mean, and the Russians were there forever. The Russians are a methodical killing machine. <laughs> and and could, could not take these, these goat head kickers. <laughs> and if the Russians can't kill you, you can't be killed. Yeah. If the, if the Russians can't kill you, you are impervious. They gave up. Russians did not give up. <laughs> they will starve you to death. They couldn't. <laughs> 
Uh, all right. I mean, these old-looking, dried-up hippies that they call Afghanis really starved them to death. So uh, they left all their gear there, and they're fighting us with it. And what are we going to say? A couple thousand people in there never do anything. Well, I mean, it's not like I mean, not to make light of it, but have, didn't you almost sort of forget that there was a war in Afghanistan just because the media only chose to talk about the war in Iraq, and then well, and then does, and then now doesn't even choose to talk about the war in Iraq. I mean, when is the last time? Not that I watch a lot of evening news, but I mean, really, what is it? What is the last thing that you really read that was an in-depth analysis of the war in Iraq? Like, I think that's just sort of sort of the mainstream media outlets only talked about. First, it was Afghanistan for like for like two months, like right after 9/11. Then it was just the build-up to Iraq. Then it was Iraq. Now it's nothing, and then soon it'll be the, the gear up to Iran. Yeah. And so Afghanistan is sort of the, um, you know, it's like the middle child, right? Where it's just sort of been. It's just sort of been forgotten about, which is unfortunate because I think, as you and I were saying yesterday, that the casualty rate for American military personnel in Afghanistan is almost as high as it is in Iraq, yeah. which is just insane. So, and there's a lot of nothing. Uh, there are mountains, and they're hiding in the bushes and shooting people. There, there's nothing we can do. Jesus, I mean, really. And that when, was a Vietnam. Well, that was Russia's Vietnam. And when you see this, um, speaking of Vietnam and speaking of Iraq, when you see this Hunter Thompson documentary that comes out, I think this Friday at Cinema 21 called Gonzo, which is it's largely just about uh, Hunter Thompson from let's say the 50s up until the end of his life. But there's a whole long section where they talk about how he was covering the 72 political uh, campaign, and he was sort of galvanized by the way that the anti-war protesters were treated at the 68 Democratic campaign or a convention. And and they have all of this stuff, because uh, Hunter Thompson was a huge McGovern supporter. And he was firmly in the McGovern camp. And they have all of these... It's really stunning to watch all of these uh, these sort of historical speeches given by McGovern where he's talking about Vietnam, all of which... I mean, it's almost a cliche to say, but all of which totally applicable today. I mean, they're all exactly the same. And obviously the filmmakers knew what they were doing. They, you know, they pulled quotes that obviously that, that have applicability to what's going on today. But it is just, it really is just very disheartening. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, these Afghanis are still fighting people with donkey carts and, and these Flintstones, <laughs> big rocks. And there's no way. I mean, it, it really is like you really expect Charlton Heston at some point to be coming on, coming across the Statue of Liberty skull at the end. You know what I mean? You finally did it! You know, didn't it, it wasn't it in Afghanistan where there was that it, that insane footage we saw sort of early on in the Afghanistan war? There was literally like these Afghani warlords with rocket launchers on the backs of donkeys. Yeah, and they're hiding in caves, and it's like we fly over them and drop bombs. Big deal. They go deeper in the caves and come out afterwards. Uh, you think we learned something for the Russians? You can't Jesus. learn much from them. Where Russians know how to kill, like using stealth bombers against cockroaches. Yeah. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. So Oregon's largest health insurer has raised its rates for annually renewed individual insurance plans by 26% this week. That's nice of them. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield of Oregon also raised rates for small groups by 16%. A woman has filed a challenge to the rate hike with the state. The president of Regions Blue Cross said the rate increase is necessary because his company lost more than $20 million last year on health care plans. Regions Blue Cross insures about 89,000 of the 246 Oregonians with individual plans. The company also covers 37,000 of the 252,000 residents' small group plans, which are mostly for small businesses. More than 1 million Oregonians are insured by large employers. Wait, so, there, so, so Blue Cross, Regent Blue Cross is raising, and they're the wholly... Individual insurance plans by 26%. And they're a wholly private company, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're raising it by 30%. So they, you may have said this, and I missed it. Did they say 26%. why specifically? Uh, they lost lots of money, apparently. Well, okay. 
Well, and, and you know, the current administration is in power for a few more months, so why not work the public over the coals one more time? <laughs> why not give everybody else one good raping before the, uh, before the election is the <laughs> These are all our friends in public office now. Uh, the public be damned. Uh, a few right. more months and, well, someone's going to crack the whip on a few people. Uh, this email says, Rick, I assume the monkey was angry that humans are so retarded they would anthropomorphize him to the point that they're giving him a birthday party. You know, man is the only creature that celebrates birthdays, and I assume it degraded the monkey so much he had no choice but to maul these people. Also, maybe he was upset there were no pony rides. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I don't know what that means. Somebody off the air? Somebody's off the air? Well, it's not us. We continue to broadcast. You betcha. He says, hey, did I hear that the plan to catch this monkey involves, quote, grooming him? Who is the poor idiot that gets the job of retrieving him? I'm assuming he will have a magnetically attached face, scalp, scrotum, and limbs to avoid being maimed. Of course, if grooming is a normal part of their interaction with the monkey, that might explain why he had his pants off in the first place. This all makes no sense. Well, he's a good candidate for what not to wear. Exactly. All right. Ten years younger. By the way, just let me just say, I do not. That is not my insurance company. Uh, the one you were just discussing. I have a separate, a separate, uh, a separate. I mean, I don't know if there. I don't know. I've had for so little of my adult life have I had insurance that I really don't have a lot to compare my insurance company to. But I will say they are wholly ineffective and incompetent. Uh, and they've now the, the latest saga with my insurance company. And again, this is, as I always say, this is my response to people who say that socialized medicine is going to be expensive and, 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 and inefficient because I'm paying. And clearly these poor sods who are using Region Blue Cross are having to pay for it, yeah. having to pay 26% more. And maybe they're much more efficient than my insurance company, but I'm not willing to wager on that. The latest inanity from my insurance provider is that, you know, I've had to go through this whole rigmarole uh, where even even to talk to somebody about the possibility of having him prescribe, like, mental drugs to me, I had to go to, Jesus, I think three different appointments with three different doctors, and then I, now I have to go to a prescriber who would be the guy that you talk to, and he says, well, then, all right, and then he signs the thing and you take it in. So the latest insanity with my insurance company is that the guy who prescribes, uh, who would prescribe me this medication will only see me between the hours of what and what. Ten and three? Yeah, that's exactly between ten and three, Monday through Friday. So I called up and I'm like, yeah, so I finally, you know, I went through like these three other shrinks and now I'm supposed to come meet with a prescriber about the possibility of being dosed with some sort of mental medication because I'm nutty. And the woman says, and she's that woman, she's exactly that type of, um, of sort of clerical help, the kind that you always hear on a phone tree as well, where she's really polite, but you can hear underneath the politeness that she hates you and isn't going to do anything to make your life easier. I know, yes. Uh, and she's, you know what it is? She's like the, uh, she's like the corporate accounts payable, need to speak. Just a moment. She's that woman, uh, but with a little more loathing inside of her. And I said, okay, so I need to come in and I need to talk to this prescribing guy because I might be getting, you know, some sort of drug or whatever. And she said, okay, so uh, we'll put you down. And she does the, the cable company thing. We'll put you down for somewhere, pardon me, somewhere between um, 10 a.m. and 3 p.m., and that'll be, and of course, and that's going to be five weeks from now. And I said, well, you know, I can't, no, I said, I, I, I really, I can't do it between 10 and 3. That's, it's going to have to be different. And she goes, well, I'm sorry, sir. Those are the only times that we see people. And I said, well, that, and she, and this that, is when you say, I host a talk show. I can't get out of it. See, and I almost did. I almost pulled out the, do you know who I am? No, not even a, do you know who I am, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. 
It's like my, you have a set schedule. Like you can't. Yeah, I mean, it's not movable. And I didn't tell her that. What I said is this. I said, I said, well, here's the thing. I have a job that I can't really miss. I said, I'm a very important person. I didn't say I'm a very important person, but here's what I did say, and I think this is true. I said, there's really no one to fill in for me. I said, there's there's really no one who can do the the job if I'm not there. No one is up to the task. <laughs> it's, it's, my coworkers will uh, deny. <laughs> I alone am able to do this Sisyphean task. But I said, you know, there's really nobody to fill in for me. I can't miss. And I was trying to make myself sound a little, a little pathetic, as though, as though the boot of my employ, of my company, was on my neck. I said, like, I really can't miss work. I just, that's not possible. And she goes, Well, I'm sorry. We only see people between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. So that's going to have to find a way to work. And I just, in that tone of voice, that I would have given anything to be able to reach through the phone and just throttle her. I mean, really, just if I could have put my fist through the phone right into her face, it would have been so deeply satisfying. And so I did exactly what they want you to do. I just got frustrated and I hung up, which is what they want, right? Because it's yeah. less work for them. And less money they have to pay out. Exactly. It's less money they have to pay out. It's less work they have to do. And it's more time that that woman can get back to clipping out Kathy cartoons to put on the wall of her cubicle. So, and you, and, it's, it, and again, it, it was one of those, you, when you talk to her, you could immediately see what she looked like. You could, And she looked like Mimi from the Drew Carey show. That's it. You just know it. You know that's exactly what she looked like. He's going to be at that hippie convention. Who only sees, especially if you're talking to people who, by definition, you know are crazy, or perhaps heading that way, who who deals with crazy people on the phone and says, I'm sorry, we can only see you between 10... First of all, what kind of business only operates from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m.? The answer is a business that you have no choice but to deal with. Or radio. Or radio. Yes. Jesus. But that's okay. You're crazy and we like you the way you are. Well, so there you, you go. know what? It's yeah, it's a it's a gift from God. It's a gift because from God. God intervened. Yes. Totally, because you're not meant to be on the God, God watches over this program. I'm not meant to be unlike any others. Seriously, Rick, what if you become heavily medicated and then all of a sudden things like the Oregon County Fair start sounding appealing? I'm not meant to be happy. Uh, all right. Well, in any event, so rest easily that I mean look, even if I were to call back like today. And say, well, that's fine. I'll, because because I don't get the feeling that there's anything I can do to get her to change her stupid system. I'm gonna if I go at some point, I think I will have no choice. Uh, you know what it is? I should just go in and I should just be on a phone the whole time with you guys. I should just be on a phone. I said, like, look, you you wouldn't let me, uh, you know, come later. So I'm gonna have to be on the air while we talk. I mean, that, I should that just tell good. them that. Why don't we all go? Okay, that's fine. We should just do that. We'll do. We'll get the Marty. We'll get, uh, we'll get Richard on the board, and we'll all go to your psychiatrist. And we'll just go to my no, shrink, we'll and he'll have to talk to all of us on the air. And I will say this is because your stupid goddamned insurance company. It's all because of you. It's because you will not. And you think that they would try to not antagonize people who obviously are on shifty mental sands to begin with. You were given every opportunity to make this right. I you and, refused to do so. You know, and I would this go in early. I would go in late. I pay my bills, I pay my insurance premiums, and for what? American. You know, and here's the, the final irony of, of this, yes. is I would bet, again, this is, I, I am, look, we live in a capitalist society. I have insurance, I pay for it, I use my insurance because it is the thing that I pay into. I'm not asking for anything for free here. But I would almost guarantee you, and I know that I run the risk of sounding like one of the, you know, in jail, you get three huts and a cut, but I would almost guarantee you, that if I was one of the, if I was just some guy that showed up at a hospital with no money, no insurance, no whatever, which I understand some people have to do. I had to do that I've at one point. Before. I've done it. But you know what? When I had to go to the hospital a couple times and I didn't have any insurance, and I felt bad about it, but what are you going to do? You're bleeding out of the eyes. You got to go see somebody. When you know there was no like you have to come back between ten and three. 
No. They just took care of you. They gave you what you needed, and then, uh, you know, then you figured things out. They, they put you in line with a dozen other people who are all getting a shot in the rump, then they send you to the next doctor. Exactly. So, uh, so you know what I think I'm going to do? I might actually just... Oh, I hate crazy. To, I hate to get... <laughs> okay. I was going to say something crazy sounding right now, but I can't think of what it would be. Well, you are kind of crazy. Uh, I'm going to take a sickle. <laughs> Maybe I should start all my call to the insurance company with, look, I'm holding a gun right now. Oh, yeah, that will go over swimmingly. It's not a threat. We'll give you an appointment right away. That's not a threat. That's just a statement. Well, how do they know that it's not a threat? Because I'm not saying anything threatening. It's simply a statement. It's like when I'm just having a little fun with you, miss. It's like telling the guy, it's like telling the airport security guy, look, I'm not a terrorist. And then just staring at him. It's just a statement of simple fact. So maybe I'll do that when I call and go, look, just so you know, I own a lot of guns. Now, I need an appointment for some medication. I am legitimately crazy. <laughs> and I can give you notes and letters from people I know. Well, they've made it so inconvenient now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, it's I should say that I am not I'm, I do not use the insurance company you were discussing. I use a separate company. I barely knew her. And they are so inconvenient about it that I've almost thought about just going to whatever is that urgent the, the whatever the dro- the urgent drop-in care place where oh, you yeah. go like if you've just dropped it, it, it dropped a truck on your foot and just going like, I feel pretty crazy right now I might need to talk to somebody immediately uh, you know which is at least they'll let you I mean you know because that's open 24 hours a day I think so I'm not sure there's anybody to talk to though uh, I don't know it just seems so uh, counterintuitive that specifically mm-hmm. when it comes to talking to people who you know maybe are I mean actually full on screamingly crazy. That you're going to make it really difficult uh, for them to, you know, to, to get in and to, to, to talk to the guy who doses you with whatever. So, anyway. So, as you're right, maybe a higher power has intervened and decided that I need not be medicated. No, you're fine. If they just give me a huge thing of Valium, I would be so happy. I mean, not just because of the Valium, but, I mean, I think that would really be it. If I could just get the doctor just to give me just a big, huge bottle of Valium... I think that would solve about 80% yeah, of my problems. The thing with that is that it'll never be enough because you'll have one big... That's right. Bottle. Maybe we need a done. special machine that only gives out so many in a certain period of time. Well, that's fine. And, to, to, you know, I should say, to be fair, uh, when I've had Valium and so forth in the past, I haven't abused it. I haven't exceeded the recommended dosage. Uh, but, boy, is it great. It's just, it really is wonderful. Maybe Richie could give you just one a day. Maybe. Well, he could be the guardian of the pills. <laughs> so I'd be sort of the chimpanzee to his trainer. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's your Valium. Uh, okay, thanks. I'll bite your magnetic nose off. <laughs> <laughs> Pills uh, don't appeal to me. They oh, never. Oh, have. they really appeal to oh, me. Like nothing. I don't. Richard, get me pills. <laughs> Serious? Don't don't tempt me, sir. Seriously, if you bought a giant bottle of Valium, you could stick oh. it in my house and it would go untouched. Unless I, I had a crazy friend over. You know that you know the great thing about Valium. I mean, just for me, and I really do. Just bought like some good and plenties and said there was something else. <laughs> placebo me. Mike and Ice. I have to say, you know, the great thing about Valium, at least for me, here's the great thing about Valium oh, or Ativan. Long diatribe about drugs. Maybe. Don't look at me. I'm never mind. I'm not going to say anything about Valium. Never mind. I was going to make well, an observation. You don't have any Valium, and then you're going to start to you're going to work yourself up about how much you love it, and then it's going to become apparent that you're just wanting your Valium addiction, and then fine, whatever. And you're going to get never angry. mind. No, that's fine. I'm not. I wasn't going to get angry. I was just going to I was going to rhapsodize a little bit about how wonderful it is. It just, I would just say this. The great thing about Valium is, is that it's, is it just, you know what it does? It just turns my brain completely off, which is just so deeply satisfying. That would be great for the show. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't take Valium here on the air. No, that's the thing. That's the thing about Valium. It's like, I, I did, let me just tell you this. I wish there were tapes of this. I did take an Ativan once right before I came on the air. But when they first gave it to me, when I first, I had a, 
a couple years ago. Is that um, one that makes you fall asleep? It's Valium. No, it's it's not a sleeping pill. I mean, it can if you take too much, it'll make you sleepy. But it's it's an anti. It's like Xanax. It just is supposed to just sort of it's sort of re- to relieve agitation uh, or anxiety. And when I first had in 2001, I had this really really crippling panic attack. I mean, really that I. Unbelievably, like I called 911, like everybody does. Thought I had a heart attack, like everybody does. Whatever. And the, the guy's like, no, it's, you know, you're having a panic attack, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, but I think I'm dying. I, I think I'm going to. And he's like, I know, that's, you know, you know, they always feel that way, blah, 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 blah. He gave me this Ativan. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And he goes, if, it, if you feel it again, just take an Ativan. Maybe a half. I'm like, half. So I took one, like, about 10 minutes before I went on the air. And man, it was like, doing the show was like wading through syrup. The whole, both my brain was just like, oh, I don't know what I've done. It was like every word. It was like driving through fog, and you could only see one word at a time. And I sounded like sometimes you'll hear a commercial that, that's that way, where they they sound like they're drunk, and so they're over-enunciating everything. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Uh, sometimes there are... Com- nah. Rick, what's, <laughs> no. what's the easiest route to get to Vancouver? What's Vancouver? I-5. I... Anywho, uh, so anyway, but that, but, but so I would never take it at work because it would just it, that would render me completely incapable of doing the show. But I will say that the great thing about Valium is I know a lot of people who will go home and they'll have like I have a glass of wine or whatever just to take the edge off or something, which is fine. But I don't drink because I think that would end badly for me. Um, but Valium, it just completely like don't care about anything. Completely turns off my caring mechanism. You know what I mean? Something I'm stressing about, worrying about, because I'm not like a lot of people where I fixate. I will find something and I'll dwell on it. And Valium just completely turns off the, I don't care about anything. Not, yeah. a, not a damn thing. Remember the day I took one once before going to the dentist, and you called me to the office yeah. and wonder what was wrong with me? You yeah. You talking to me, talking to me, talking. No response. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just a completely blank, like, mm-hmm. And everything happens around you, you're just sort of like, yeah, I am completely, I have no emotional investment in anything happening around me. I remember me. when I was a boy. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, it's like you could be, seriously, you could be watching somebody set fire to your house. And if you're on Valium, it's like, would you look at that? Somebody sitting fire to my house. I hope the rat's okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I should do something about that. Nah, I think I'll get a snack. And you just don't care at all. And the ability to make my brain stop is just the most, that is the most appealing thing on earth, which is why I would like a huge bottle of value. The end. Today. By Rick Emerson. Age five. All right. Maybe well, we could trade it out. <laughs> can I do some, can I, can we work out some sort of a trade deal? No, I, I'm serious. At another place I worked, not in this city. Somewhere a long, long time ago, one of my co-workers tried to commit suicide, so they traded out his uh, suicide uh, counseling at a local hospital really? for advertising. But the downside to that, for the next year, every first spot in my spot set was the suicide prevention unit of Simi Valley <laughs> Hospital. What I'd like to remind you, I'm going to commit suicide if I have to play this spot one more time. Do you have feelings of despair or hopelessness and unable to find joy in everyday activities? And you're every single break, I can totally... Is that... somebody plucking a harp? <laughs> there is a way out. I can... The, you know, the thing is that such small-town radio, that's like a WKRP thing. I can totally see a small-town radio station trading out suicide hotline help. All right, Tim Riley, you are uh, you are taking your leave, are you not? Yes, I'm heading north. All right, so we will see you Monday. Yes. All right, enjoy your holiday, Tim Riley. Bye, thank you. All right, there you go, Tim Stay Riley. For Timmy Ryan. There you go, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in history of the world. Back Monday. All right. Well, in any event, shall we? There you go. Take a break. I Heart Pills by Rick Emerson.
It's uh, 503. Well, pills just scare me. Yeah, no, well, yeah. I mean. I know the whole thing, like, um. Do you fear that you would abuse them? Or do they just not do anything for you? Well, my, I don't really react well to them. I don't know, like, I just, I, I don't have any desire to ingest pills. I, I don't like feeling sluggish. I hate that. I don't like, um, yeah, I, I just don't like the feeling that it would be like, I don't, I don't like being sedated in any way. Yeah, see, and that's the thing is, and I, I didn't used to like that. I didn't think I would enjoy it. Uh, until somebody, until I took a Valium or, you know, an Ativan, and then I sort of really, I really enjoyed that. But, you know, the other, the other terrible thing about me, and I can tell, I mean, is that, you know, the, the other thing that holds a great deal of appeal to me are pills that make me, uh, like more attuned or more awake or more alert. Mm -hmm. That also seems incredibly appealing. So. Yeah, I think. If even it, hearing myself say it out loud, I sound like a junkie. Crazy. No, when, uh, when many things were legal, oh, I was totally full blown addicted to those. Oh, yeah. They were amazing. I wouldn't have gotten through college without them. Those things were fantastic. They were so so fantastic. Like I could, you know, uh, like study all day and then like, you know, have a mini thin and then go out and, you know, like and hang out all night and then like wake up and do it. I sound like I had a problem. No, but, but I mean, that's it. Well, look, I was right there with you because they were absolutely legal. Uh, they were legal. They were hundred percent legal. Yeah. In the convenience store at the counter. And it's amazing. Cause you could I buy a giant, stockpiled um, like pill container. Like 10 bucks. I remember it was ridiculous. For and 10 so, bucks. Like, and you know what? Here's all the of thing. my roommates, we would all buy our bottles of mini thins and we'd just all, you know, hang Don't out. Don't you wish you'd some? Don't you wish that you had a warehouse of those? Really? I did. I saved some. I, I bought like one last bottle before they were expired, but then, you know, I was so sad taking the last one. Oh, I know. And it's, uh, and I mean, but they would pull people over in Utah who had a trunk full of like 800 bottles because they were making meth out of it. And that's the thing about those, you know, you go to the, it's so frustrating now. I mean, look, we'll just continue this and we'll take a break. Um, it's so frustrating now you go to the convenience store because there's all that stuff next to the counter that like, and looks. And now a Fedra free. Well, what's the point of that? There's no point. There's no point work. to that at all. No, it doesn't work at all. And, you know, I'm a big, you know, I'm a libertarian at heart, and I think whatever ought to be legal. It doesn't matter to me. You ought to be able to put whatever into your body you want into your body. And I don't understand in America, of all places, why they would take something off the market whose sole job is to make you more productive. We are the kings of productivity. America is all about productivity. Work more, work harder, work better. And i got to tell you, because I'm me and I'm lame, I wouldn't even take them to go out, like, you know, drinking or dancing or whatever. I would just take them so I could work longer. It, because I'm a retard. kind of a workaholic. That was my thing. I would just take them so I could just go to work and I could work and focus and stay, uh, you know, uh, you know, motivated and whatever and not get. And the other thing is I would just get so distracted by things. And I remember the first time I remember the first time I took one of those, one of those ephedrine pills when they came out. Mm -hmm. And it really was. It sounds like I'm one of those guys in recovery writing poetry like a poem to my addiction. Dear cocaine. <laughs> um which Elton John did, by the way, when he went into recovery, they made him write like they made him write a song to cocaine. It was like, "Dear cocaine." Um, but I remember the first time I took one of those mini thins with uh, packed with ephedrine. Mini thins really satisfy, and it was like it was like I had been in some sort of a dingy, dimly lit room my whole life, and for the <laughs> first moment, there was like this clarifying sunshine that came in. I remember mini thins just made everything so much oh. clearer and crisper exactly. and happier. Exactly. And I was just so much more focused. And, and I remember taking one. And, and awake, kind of, like no, none of that pesky tiredness. And just sort of being able to go like, all right, now I'm going to get some stuff done. And boy, God damn it, the work got done.
Jesus. Yeah, I should have saved a warehouse full of those things because I think they're. I think they're. Oh, I know so many people who regret. You know, my friend. Um, oh, I won't say her name. Ephedra still is legal, I think, in Canada or Maybe. somewhere. I can't remember. So her and her friend uh, split these weight loss supplements that are still chock full of Ephedra, and like they're Excellent. still they're really expensive. But I mean, she takes them for the mini thin aspect of them. Yeah, I mean it's uh, well because it's like like um that fen fen. Uh, diet pill, I think. Fen-fen? Yeah, I think Fenfen when it was a when it was an actual prescription pill, I think half of one of the fens in Fenfen was ephedrine. But I remember. Do you remember that story? Do you remember when? Um, was that the stuff that gave people heart attacks? Yes, but I mean that's a very small number. Well, sort of, small sort of, but so did many fins. But it was always some guy that would take five bottles and then go running in the sun. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would find that's the problem with drugs like that is that there's always some idiot high school kid who takes a bottle of them and then does wind sprints all day for the football team and then dies and they find that in his locker. And then they say, because, you know... And they take away the fun for everyone. Exactly. A few bad apples ruin the fun for all of us who just want to take drugs responsibly. Uh, but, um, uh, but uh, yeah, Fen Fen, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I don't even remember what I was talking about now. The but point is, point is boy, boy, were those fantastic. And now they're illegal. Thanks. Thanks, government. Thanks, the man. Mm. Uh, Seriously, right. and they wonder why, like, cocaine use and all kinds of other uppers are going up in usage. Like, when they have just left... Sure. You know, many things on the market or any kind of, you know, like uh, ephedra thing with a small amount of ephedra It was reasonably priced. Mm -hmm. It was accessible. You didn't have to go to a dealer for it. You didn't have to do anything like that. And I think that appealed to people because, you know, I'm a big pussy when it comes to stuff like that. I don't want to break the law. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to do any of those things. So it's like, I mean, obviously, I think for any number of reasons, I would not I would not be a cocaine user just because I think that that seems like a, a turn down a dark path for me. But also, just I don't want to be that guy that gets busted, like you know, handcuffed coming out of the house, mm. a local man, you know, and so and so that when that ephedra was was legal, and it was like you couldn't believe it was legal. Yeah, I can't believe that they're selling this to gold. me. It's just a mistake, uh, and you just you really couldn't believe it. So it is, but that's but it, then we'll wrap this up. Um, the are gushing. Then we'll wrap this up for any like drug addicts who are seriously we're pushing people off out of recovery right now just by rhapsodizing about this but i think i speak for a lot of people but that's like the good news bad news when i hear people talk about um like provigil or adderall adderall especially i hear people talk about adderall and the whatever you call it the indications or whatever they say that the stuff that the effect of adderall when i hear people talk about adderall it sounds so stunningly similar to the effect of ephedrine that that's a thing where I almost feel like going into the doctor and going, damn it, I just, uh, I you just need, become... What you need to do is you need to look up the symptoms to I'm which a, you can get it. I'm a narcoleptic. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I think they prescribe it to narcoleptics uh, and also to ADD sufferers, which I don't think, which they have speculated that I have, but I've never really been, like, diagnosed. I can't get diagnosed because they won't let me come in except between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. I'd rather have a pepped-up Rick Emerson than a sedated one. Oh, man, if I could, if there was just a machine that dispensed that stuff... I would be there like one of those like one of those lab monkeys with the cocaine lever. Seriously. Anyway, but now it's illegal. Thanks, man. All right, uh, we'll take a break. Come back after this with Timmy Ryan. Hello, Timmy Ryan. It's radio. No one he can hear you wave. Shaven. You look clean. Have you bathed? You're just nodding. You start again. eating meat. Do we have to wait until the next break to actually hear you speak? All right. We've already had some, like, tongue piercing or something. Uh, uh, we'll also talk to TMZ.com and today's top five, top five album-ending songs that aren't a day in the life. Stay there. Back after this. to build a sex temple. I don't mean for this to sound sleazy, but what do you wear when I put my baby in you? 
I better take off my pants. Take off your panties. Let me go to uh, the hornysluts.com rape through like bosoms. Your bosoms? Uh, which are plentifully really possible as being hidden in my buttocks. You must take my siege. I am sweating for the anus. No matter what you do in your life, you will never be as retarded as I am. Waiting for the anus, the Rick Emerson story. Thanks so much. Uh, hey, don't forget, we're reminding you right now. This is me reminding you. You are being reminded by me about this. The 2008 Safeway Rattle... The 2008 Safeway Waterfront Blues Festival and fireworks display just around the corner, happening July 4th. Fireworks begin at 10 or 5 p.m. after the evening's final performance and the national anthem. A donation of $10 and two cans of non-perishable food get you in. The Kink.FM and Hoffman Construction Fireworks Show, presented by Portland Parks and Recreation. All right. Uh, here in just a few, we'll have Timmy Ryan join us with today's headlines in the stead of Tim Riley. Uh, we'll also talk to TMZ.com's Nina Parker uh, coming up here in just a few. Isn't that right, Richie? <laughs> I, don't even, I preferred it was just a blast of beeping static. <laughs> He's all like the uh, Captain Pike and whatnot. All right. Um, isn't that right, Richie? Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. The gate no, no, Yeah, okay. Thanks. Never mind. That gag didn't really work. All right. So here's the things we're, we're going to ask about this mini-me thing because I don't really... Yes, and did you see the other story on TMZ about uh, Britney Spears? No. She has a new man in her life. Is this a new man, like a new sexy man? I mean, in as much as anything can be sexy with Britney Spears. Yes. Uh, is it somebody I know? Yes. All right. It's a man. It yes. is a man. Uh, I'm Jimmy Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. It is a man. Um, this is fascinating. I'm just trying to figure out who it would be. Okay. Uh, singer? Because I'm bad at the 20 questions. All right. Okay. Let me just say this. Um, older or uh, younger than 30? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, would you Looks get... like around that age. 30-ish. All right. Um, Not, but doesn't let's see. Um, uh, black, white, or other? Other. 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 Uh, Asian. No. Uh, uh, is he a Latino? No. <laughs> there are other countries. I know. I'm just... Well, now, but now I've just opened up the whole... Now I just don't know. I mean, maybe you should go. At a, you should tackle the question at a different angle. Uh, singer? No. Actor? No. What else is there? <laughs> Boy, this is gripping. Um, uh, wait. So, uh, am That's I a kind fan? Of a trick question, though. Am I a fan of this person? No, nobody is. Um, Kevin Federline. Close. <laughs> um, dancer? No. Um, Clay Aiken. I don't know. I'm completely... Wait, hold on. So, wait. It's close to Kevin Federline. Not white. Mm-mm. Not black. Mm-mm. Not Latin. Mm-mm. Not Asian. Well, I think he'd probably be closest to Latin, but he's not. Uh, is he uh, from India? I believe so, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I was just sort of blunt, uh, blunting. I was either punting or bluffing. I was blunting. <laughs> um, Sanjaya. No. Uh, all right. Um, uh, so, uh, on television? I mean, it, you know, in, in, a, in a sort of steady gig capacity? Reality TV counts. He's been featured on television. He's been featured on television. You are... He's closest to, Ke- he's close to Kevin Federline. Close to Kevin Federline. I guess that... He's been on television... He's been featured on television. He is not currently, like, starring in or having... He doesn't have a regular role on a TV show. No. 
close to Kevin Federline, Indian, 30-something. Am I going to hit myself? With, I mean, am I, am I, is it going to go, when, yeah. you t- when you tell me? I, Timmy, do you know who? I can't get my computer to work. Okay, never mind. No, it says every web page I try to put in there is, an, uh, is not available. Well, that's great. Uh, they block porn. Yeah, just going to say, if you're trying to go, if you're trying to go to youporn.com. X2, you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jesus, I, I feel dumb. I, I hate giving up, though. I hate it because I'm always angry at you for not... I'm saying he's comparable to Kevin Federline in Britney's life. Okay, well, I wonder if this person knows who it is. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. About what are you calling? Uh, well, I, I I don't know who uh, Brittany is dating. All right. I just wanted to let you guys know, as far as the uh, subject of the intercom. Yes. Uh, there's a hilarious skit in Family Guy mm-hmm. where um, they have the, the the walkie-talkies, and Stewie and Brian are remodeling a house, and Stewie gets on a kick with Over at the end of everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you could dig that up, it, it would be. We'll look into it. I'm gonna. Whose computer is clicking? That's Timmy Ryan. That's mine. All right, you're not. Okay. That's mine. Can we turn? Can we pause his computer? Okay, yeah. Just. Or what's what's happening over there? Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, what's happening with your computer? Is it not? Is it not on? No, it's working now. What's working for? Okay, all right. Okay, so I'm gonna give this one more try. Okay. Britney Spears is romantically entangled with a thirty-something Indian man. At least I think he is. I think he's around 30. Uh, Might who be a little is less than 30. featured on television every now and again. Not a singer. Not a dancer. Not an actor by trade. Um, I, don't, I can't think of any other, any other narrowing questions to ask. Have we discussed him at length on this program? Yes. Really? <laughs> yes. I, I, I feel so dense that I can't figure... M. Night Shyamalan. No. Um, okay, I give up. Really? I will. I don't know. Okay, no. Now I don't. I withdraw. The, I withdraw the plea. I. I, I don't give up. Um, well, we just are waiting for the TMZ lady. And Timmy's oh yeah. Computer isn't working. Oh yeah. Yet. Hold on. It's working now. Richie, are we going to be hearing from the TMZ woman? Yeah, she called on my cell, but I get crappy reception. Okay. So what are we? How are we handling that? I'm afraid to call out because she'll get a busy signal if she calls in. Don't be afraid, Richie. Just do it. Embrace your fear. Go towards that which terrifies you. Live for the now. Or if you want, you can use my phone. What the? That wasn't funny. Don't do that. Okay. Um, I just feel like the program is just grinding to a halt underneath this. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Or who's, okay. You know what? I'm just going to lay it out for you. Who have been the men in Britney Spears' life? Um... Yeah, that guy, the Admiral Adama, or whatever his name was, um, Kofi Annan. No, what's his name? Adon, Adon, Adnan. Adnan. Adnan, that yes, guy. Yes, that's him. Oh, well, that's a completely uninteresting answer. I don't even know who that guy is. How can you not know? I mean, I know that he's some guy who was boning Britney for a while, but I don't really know who he is. He was a, he was a paparazzo, remember? Uh, is that the guy? But see, it's so hard to keep. You need a scorecard with her. I don't, I really don't even, because wasn't there some Does other he... guy? Yes, Who was the guy thing. that had control over her that the family got a restraining order to keep away from her? Is it him? Oh, that was, no, that was uh, Sam Rufus. See, that's who I'm thinking of. I was confusing, okay. I was conflating the two. I was confusing him with the guy that the, the family got like a restraining order over. All right, over. 
All right. I just uh, really thought, you know, us being pop culture geeks, I thought you would totally get you, it. You know, the thing about Britney Spears is Britney Spears is like some sort of a file from fiscal year 2004 that the company is legally required to keep around for purposes of IRS and record keeping, but that you don't really access anymore. So you put it into a cardboard box and it goes down into the basement, uh, you know, with like the mousetraps. Uh, I mean, all of my Britney Spears knowledge is still around. It's in my head. I just don't really need it regularly. So it's just sort of stuck way in the bottom of my brain. Well, should we just do the news? I'm sorry, Tim. I don't mean to make it sound like you're just sort of like the brown stuff between the marshmallows and the, in the uh, Lucky Charms. Let's face but I mean... it. I'm the bottom of the barrel, man. All right. That's the spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Timmy Ryan. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. All right. So the high gas prices are driving people to extremes. I know I'm not talking about having sex with Richie Bristol, but having sex in general. Check this out. A Kentucky John paid a prostitute with $100 worth of fuel. A Kentucky woman is facing prostitution charges for allegedly trading sex for gasoline. 34-year-old Angelina Eversoll was nabbed last weekend during a police stakeout at Days Inn where she allegedly trysted with customer Kenneth Nowick. Tristan, by the way, whenever they say that somebody trysted with somebody else, that's like that the conversation we were having the other day about women who call themselves classy. When you say Tristan, it's like having a rendezvous. A rendezvous is not... A rendezvous is what is what hicks do to try to feel sexy. I'm going to use that word more often. Rendezvous? No, no, Tristan. Tristan. Uh, I mean, Tristan is one of those things where it's... That is... Here's... You know who trysts? The people who trist... It's those trash couples that you see on HBO's Real Sex that try to that think that they're sexy. And really, it's just like they look like a couple of manatees humping it out. <laughs> I've seen that video. It's like Louie Anderson and Roseanne Barr rolling around on top of a you know sheet. All right. All right. According to court records, Noah admitted paying for Eversol services. I like that word services. And what is with you in words? <laughs> I just I like when they Are say. Are you high? No. no. He right. is. High. You do look kind of clean cut today, on and a you look high. and you look as though you've bathed. Please, no offense. I mean, no, sometimes you come in and you sort of look like you've been living a rock and roll lifestyle all night. No, I have been for a while, but I, I've been cleaning up my act recently. Yeah. Was that the, Is the, it for a special lady in your life? No, actually, here's here's where it started. Is it because of a conversation with HR? <laughs> look, <laughs> look uh, people don't like to be in the same room with you. Uh, you have to do something about that. No, no, no. Actually, it was uh, right before the uh, the listener party when we were filming the video. Yes. I just saw you and Adam out wasted like less than a week ago. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I was I was totally like not doing anything, and I was letting myself go, and I wasn't uh, active, and I said, screw this. So I started running, and I went from 162 to 148. Now, this is, uh, first of all, this is such revisionism, because when you're saying I was letting myself go, but, and I wasn't active. Too, like, I saw you and Adam, and you you guys were taking shots, and you're like all glassy-eyed. And also, and that was like four days ago. And but hold on, you just because I'm drinking doesn't mean I'm not trying to get myself back in physical state. And let me just let <laughs> you're drinking for health, drinking your way to a better you by Timmy Ryan. <laughs> I love drinking. I have no problem saying that. I love alcohol. Thanks, Tim. Uh, so here's what Sarah. So as indeed I do. So uh, scotch, scotch, scotch. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing about you. When you are, when you're talking about it, you were trying to get yourself back in shape because you were letting yourself go and you were just slacking and becoming a big sloth. I wasn't and active. Okay, but here's, but here's why. Here's, here's the thing about that is, and I think I speak for everybody at CBS Radio that's ever been in a staff meeting with you. You can't get into you. You can't go 30 seconds in a staff meeting without lecturing everybody in the room about how you're the healthiest person in the room because you're a vegan. 
And you, you, while using the phrase, I'm the healthiest person in this room. I'm Timmy Ryan. I am the healthiest person. I guarantee if you were to check my cholesterol level, my body fat index, uh, I guess my stamina. You look sickly a no. lot of the time, though. No. Sarah? Yes, you do. Do I look sickly? You look jaundiced. I mean, jaundiced? No. You look, seriously, you look like your kidneys are backing up a lot no. of the time. Here's the thing. I've been running on average of six miles every day. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I ran 20 miles straight. Is this like where you were a tiresome vegan, now you're going to be a tiresome runner? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm the healthiest person in this room. Well, I'm Timmy Ryan. I'm not trying to brag, but not only have I been running, I've been running in my Converse All-Stars. This is like when you... Um, you know what? My friend broke her arches because of doing that. <laughs> really? I ran 20 yeah. miles, and I'm fine. I'm feeling okay, great. Okay, no, but I'm saying, like, if you keep doing that, your arches are going to collapse. This is like your thing of, like, a few months ago. I'm not trying to brag, but I have sex with porn stars constantly, or whatever it was you were saying at the time. <laughs> Uh, Who could say they had sex with a porn star? I don't know. Hundreds of people. <laughs> Anyone who's playing Chance the Pool Boy. And on a side note, when Ron Jeremy came in here, I was comparing pictures of him and I. We look strangely similar. You don't look strangely similar. You look utterly dissimilar. But you know, both look kind of green. Wait, hold on. What kind of pictures? Of oh, the, the picture of him and I, he, he looks like a fatter version of me. Let's find Timmy Ryan's MySpace. Go to my MySpace page, myspace.com slash Tim Ryan Radio, and look at the picture that's in my, my pictures with Ron Jeremy and I, uh-huh. and, you'll, and you can kind of see it. I noticed it. I'm not saying that. You Is know, it, was it like looking into a mirror? Timmy Ryan, the Dirk Diggler of Portland Radio. Really? Yeah. Did you give yourself a nickname just now? I did. Okay. I've been in there for a while. All right. And it's like the name is like Cut Glass. And it's like the sign explodes. Oh, so ridiculous. No, it's the best movie ever made. Yeah. I thought you said Showgirls was the best movie ever made. Showgirls is terrible. It's a toss-up between the two. Boogie Nights, though, is a legitimately great film, whereas Showgirls is ridiculous. I watch Boogie Nights almost every day, by the way. Seriously, Boogie Nights is one of my top five films of all time, period, in a non-ironic, non-whatever best fashion. Soundtrack, it's, 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 a, it's a masterpiece. I would say, well, let me ask you this, Timmy, right? Would you say that Boogie Nights is flawless? Yes. There's, there's, not, a, there's not a wasted moment in that movie. There are very few films. Uh, Joni and I have this conversation. He has a picture on his, my sister just says, sex hair. <laughs> and then Tim with his hair all tousled. But he's in the middle of the hallway. But does I it look, didn't take it. Does it really look like overslept for work hair? You did I see your arm holding out in the typical MySpace. <laughs> no, that's not me. <laughs> you. you. can your totally arms tell. Hold on. <laughs> there's always oh, that no. one shot, too, where the arm is extended photographing themselves. <laughs> You're seriously looking up at it to hide your double chin? <laughs> no, That's I what everybody does. Well, no, because somebody was telling uh-huh. me, I, maybe I did take that one, but somebody was telling me, I didn't have enough, <laughs> you think? Somebody was telling me I didn't have enough pictures on my MySpace, so I said, No one told you it. that. No I one told God, you that. I had like one picture, two pictures, All and right. someone's like, take more pictures. Let's uh, hold on. Hey, Richie Ritzel, is this, uh, is this Nina Parker? Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from TMZ. Do you prefer to, for people to say from TMZ or from TMZ.com? I'm from TMZ. All right. From TMZ, Nina Parker. Hello. How are you today? Hello. Good afternoon. First of all, do you wake up every day and just say, I have the best job on earth. I work for TMZ. <clears throat> and then just walk out the door invigorated? Uh, you know, sometimes I do a little jumping jacks before I walk out the door, you know. <laughs> and so not to make you the story instead of the story being the story, but how does, if I may ask this of you in general, how does one get a job at a place like TMZ, which didn't, I mean, TMZ, I guess, has been around for a few years, but it really has blossomed. It's just, it's just a huge part of American life. How does one get a job at TMZ in general? Uh, I, I say stalk Harvey Levin. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> done and done. You know, so I just kind of, you know, made it a point to kind of be where he was. No, really, I just uh, applied, you know, just like any other job. You know, you apply, you get the interview, and if you have a couple screws loose, then you're qualified. Excellent. Google Maps, <laughs> here I come. <laughs> exactly. All right, fantastic. All right, so 
Here's a thing about which I don't care, but about which I, I feel compelled to, to learn more, and that's this just horrific business of the Vern Troyer sex tape. And let me be very clear about this. I'm not trying to... I, I'm, I'm not trying to disparage Vern Troyer or the existence of a Look, I mean, midgets need love, too, and whatever, and maybe he's a... The thing about it is, he just... You look at that guy, and every time I see him, he looks like some sort of miniaturized Scott Storch, where he's just got, like, way too much jewelry, and he's always kind of guy doing the finger pistols at you and going like... Hey there, I'm Vern yeah. Troyer. It's just a guy I don't want to see engaged in relations of any kind, but... So the tape was up, then it was gone, now it's back or whatever. Where are we with that? Yeah, it's back up. It's on the website. So if people want to go to TMZ.com, they can take a look at, you know, a little snippet from the sex tape. And so is the deal that he sued, but then the woman put it back up? Why? How is it back up now? Well, it's not really anything, you know, that I can really talk about. I can talk about the tape, not really the lawsuit, but uh, we were able to get it back up, the the judge kind of changed that ruling. So Excellent. we were able to continue to show it. So saw our way for that particular portion. So we're able to have that up for everybody to, you know, here's gouge a, their eyes out with. <laughs> here's, I mean, really, it is. It's like there are just no goggles strong enough for that. And mm -hmm. it's, it's you know, the Vern Troyer tape, and I only saw the still. We had a, a listener of ours send us the still where he's just like, He's doing that horrible porn kiss where it's not even oh, really a kiss. Yeah. It's like the t it's like the tips of the tongues touching I'm or something. I'm telling you, I I was able to take a look at the actual raw stuff, and it is an image I cry about at night. So you don't want to do it. <laughs> I trust. I promise you. It's like some video rodeo where you're just in the last eight seconds. Um, but um, it, but he he sent us a link. He's like, hey, check out this still from the Vern Troyer sex tape. And it's like when somebody says. Hey, boy, this smells really rancid. Do you agree? And then they're, like, shoving the cottage cheese right under your nose. That is the visual equivalent, absolutely. At TMZ, do you guys, uh, is there some sort of a chapel or a shrine at TMZ where every day you pray to the deity of your choice that Britney Spears will shave something or flash something or perhaps both again? Because she seems to be really dull these days. We, we just actually put a story up on the website where Brittany is kind of back, kind of hanging out again with this paparazzi guy, Adnan, where, you know, she's texting him. She's seeing him again. Her father doesn't really appreciate the relationship, but I guess this is like, you know, whatever she has. If she has a boyfriend, this is as close as it's going to get for her. So she's still seeing this guy, uh, you know. Brittany is, is a, a tricky subject. You know, it's good for her. I'm glad that she's trying to do something a little better with her life. But, I mean, even when there's nothing going on with her, there's still something going on. She, you know, leads a bizarre lifestyle. And how long is it – how long does her dad have control of all of it? Because he's the guy that really sort of either got her to be less crazy or at least hid the crazy from the public, right? Well, yeah, I think, I, I think he's definitely hiding the crazy from the public. You know, uh, he has the conservatorship right now. That's something that's temporary. So they, they keep – continuously having to go back to court so he can kind of keep hold of the conservatorship. I believe the next court date is in August. So, uh, you know, he's, that's something that he's helping. He's obviously helping, and she's able to get custody back of her kids and overnight custody granted and things of that nature. So, you know, it's, it's definitely benefiting her. Let me ask you this, uh, just the first name that comes to mind. Who is the most consistently reliable celebrity in terms of giving you guys grist for the TMZ mill? Uh, probably... Consistent, probably maybe Paris Hilton. Ah, uh, yeah. Even now, would you say even even at this point in two thousand eight? Yeah, I mean, people.
people like to read about her. People love to hate Paris. She always has something going on. She knows how to get herself in the news. And, I mean, it's a train wreck to watch, but, you know, people like to watch it. It's entertainment. So she's she's reliable. She's consistently reliable. I do have this out. feeling that Paris is going to be sort of the uh, the Angeline of the uh, of the TMZ world, though she's going to be like 60 years old and, and just kind of looking like a like a fatter, more makeup version of herself, and we will still be watching her, uh, you know, 40 years from now. Yeah, I can see that. You know, seeing younger guys, all that kind of stuff. She'll be, you know, a great cougar. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Nina Parker from TMZ. Thank you. We would love to have you back again sometime. Absolutely. No problem. Whenever you guys want. All right. Nina Parker, I'm going to put you on hold with uh, Richie. He'll make sure that, that we have everything sort of straightened away, that your contact info and everything. Thank you so much. You have a great right. day, Nina. Thanks a lot. You too. Thank you. Nina Parker uh, from TMZ. I dig her. Me too. I uh, super cool. I automatically like her. All right. Uh, well, we should take a break here so we can get back on time. We'll take a break. We didn't really do any news. So we'll take a break. We'll come back, do a little bit of news. We'll do the top five album-ending songs that are not a day in the life. Are we going to twist? Yes. We're going to twist informationally. Uh, and then uh, other things. And then like us at three. Michael Mara Show at seven. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. This chocolate pretzel looks fantastic. It really does. I resisted earlier, but then I walked by and I saw one sitting in Richard. Oh, room. Piggy. I'd rather have you fat than miserable and starving. All right, done and done. Yay. Oh, man, it's so good. I just kept eating. That's great. All right, Timmy Ryan is here. We'll do the top five uh, in just a short while. Like is coming up at three. Michael Merrick show at yes. Nothing. Michael Merrick show at seven. You know if there was pizza in there, I'd be all over that with you. Mm. You know, here's the thing. I'm not a big chocolate fan, but when you mix, like, the chocolate with something that's sort of crunchy or salty, I'm a big fan of that. This email says, about Timmy Ryan. Wow. Just seeing pictures of Timmy Ryan makes me feel like I need a good scrubbing. Honestly, you know there's a picture of him tonguing his dog on his MySpace page? It's not my dog. (laughs) That makes it ever so much better. Uh, As well as a shot of him shirtless cradling a guitar. It just seems like everything he and the Pim Squad touch ends up being covered in oil and goo. You know, I'm just saying. All right, well, there you go. So, did you look at this picture of Timmy Ryan with, with Ron Jeremy? Yes. Do they look exactly alike? I, I thought that they were twins. Yeah, all right. That's, it was crazy. I have a new picture up now, which is my official CBS uh, photo that was taken a couple weeks ago. Are you looking crazy? Do you no, look, I look all professional would, and cleaned up. Would you say you look more crazy or edgy? Is this like that photo that you took where you were no. like, you had your head lowered and you were sort of looking up underneath your eyebrows oh, like a serial killer? Oh, did you just change your picture to me, Ryan? I, yeah, because I just got my new picture in from uh, CBS from, uh, from over there at Couple. Where, where would I find this? Is this uh, myspace.com? Uh, yeah, slash? you just go like timryanradio.com. I just looked up Tim's and my friend. Well, do you ever like smile? That that look that you gave isn't good for you. You need to, <laughs> like, put, your chin. You need to put your chin up edgy. a little. No, it's not. Yes, it, is. it would look more dangerous and edgy if you lift up your chin a little bit. Like because this, you look like molesty. <laughs> molesty. I'm not saying you're a bad-looking guy, Timmy Ryan, but I think that that or angle molester. for your face is not the most appropriate. It's not, it's not doing you any favors, is what you say. I like it. Wait, hold I, on. I, I don't have a good fake smile. And when I'm getting my picture taken... Oh, dude, you, no. Is I, this your official CBS photo? Yeah. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying, Rick? For what station? <laughs> I think it's for couple. Oh Are you kidding me? <laughs> What's wrong with it? 
everything. Hi, John Paul. He's probably listening right now. Uh, uh, like, you look so lecherous. All right. Lecherous. Like, I look like I'm friendly. But you look serious. like you have a pocket of roofies and some <laughs> bad ideas. <laughs> exactly. Pocket of roofies and some bad ideas. I'm going to write a song called you know, that. Uh, This is right before you take the little girl to the soundproof van. That's what this photo is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I speak for everybody. So, no, I mean. for a band, the soundproof van. Uh, well, that's I'm stealing that from Wombstretcher. You are? Uh, they have that song. Wombstretcher. the Magnificent. They have that song, Soundproof Van. Um, so, okay, I'm going to save it. Do you mind if I post this? Yeah, do whatever you want with it. All right, I'm going to post this on my on my web page here. Uh, Anything I do is fair game, you know that. I'm just saying, I want to get your permission. Hold on, Tim Ryan. And not only, it's just huge. It's an enormous picture. All right, so I'm going to put that on my blog. You can also see this, though, if you just go to TimRyanRadio.com. Uh, com. It's, I, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's wrong with this because there's so many things wrong with it. Uh, it just, the overall effect of I'm just, here's the thing. I think Sarah Naylor, it's not as though you're a, a bad-looking guy, I suppose. It's just... Thank you, Rick. This this looks like, you know what it is? This is the photograph taken ex- right before you hear the, t- the, like, the sound of the duct tape going, <clears throat> you know what I mean? This, this is the look right before the sharpened screwdriver comes up. Well, first off, I don't like having my picture, you know, professionally taken. And it was, like, at, like, 9 in the morning. Where was this taken? What is this background? Uh, yeah, this was over at 3rd Avenue. And that was the background that they. That's like the background from my fifth grade picture. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, I, the photographer. I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, I don't like. I'm not a big fan of. Photos. Was this Vanished Twin who did this? Was it Jason and Aaron? Do you know? No, no, I don't. Uh, know. Really good guy though. Yeah, I mean, because they they take good photographs. I'm just saying, there's it only look their style. there's only so much to work with if this is if this is the face you're giving. Well, them. this is not my this is not my natural setting in front of a you know old school background. At nine in the morning, it's just you know it's it's not exactly in my uh, and it's my like the hair almost wants to be a devil lock, but it's not quite long enough. <laughs> so it's maybe devil lock. It's, seriously, so it's just like a misfits comb over. Don't you think he needs to lift up his chin a little and like maybe tilt a little to the side instead of doing everything straight on? Yeah, I I, I think that. And maybe, I was just doing. So it would take what, a little a little bit away from the ear. <laughs> I was just doing <laughs> the face. I was just doing what the photography was the photographer was telling me. He to did do. not tell you to do this. I don't know what the, <laughs> I don't know what he told you to do. If his instructions did not say make this face. Okay, if you were to take pictures of me, like, you know, in the, in the radio oh, studio, or, like, this. playing my guitar, or, I don't know, like, playing wiffle ball, you would find me in my natural environment. Your natural environment is playing wiffle ball? Yeah. I, you know that I'm a member of a professional wiffle ball league. Right? So much I don't understand about you. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's not professional. It's competitive wiffle ball league. Whatever. Let's, uh, let, let's do the... Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Timmy Ryan! And now, now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It's true. It's the Columbia Cowboys football ball. Uh-huh. It kicks ass. Okay. Thanks. All right. Well, cremations are on the rise. It's an interesting reason why, too. Tough financial times are not only taking their toll on the living, they're also having an impact on how deaths are being handled. According to the El Paso Times, and that's just a garbage of a city, by the way, the Texas city of El Paso is following a national trend of increased cremations due to cost factors. The cremation, a cremation Association of North America says cremations will increase nationwide from just over 30% of all deaths a few years ago to just under 40 deaths, excuse me, 40% in 2010, with the expected cremation rate likely to reach 51% by 2025. So there you go. I, I'm sorry. I'm busy. I'm, I'm, it's no. not that I'm not listening. I'm just I'm getting this photo posted because I know that it's no fair on the on the listeners because they can't 
they, they may have a scene. I have this idea to, you know, save money on old people, you know, just before they, they, they croak. You stick old people in a um, Let's... retirement home that doubles as a funeral parlor, and they sleep in a casket every night. So if they die in their sleep, they just close it and ship them out. <laughs> what do you think happens to dead people after they die? Do you just stuff them in a casket? Well, I mean, there's the embalming. There's the all the costs. I mean, if you die, just like, or there's just like they sleep on an assembly line. But as soon as you die, it senses that you die. It just the assembly line assembly line starts rolling, and it just puts you in the you know the uh, the cremation chamber or whatever. All right, I'm posting this right now. Uh, okay. And then we should do an Insta poll about it. Should Insta poll one word that sums this photo up? Yes. All right, we'll do that here oh, in a second. Oh, genius! You know what this photo looks like? It, this photo looks like something that would be used as a cutaway gag on Arrested Development. Job couldn't figure out why his photograph hadn't lured in the ladies on, you know, Match.com. Cut to like Job making this face. Oh wow, <laughs> that's genius. Um, all right. The Bluth family had had bad luck with babysitters. Cut to like this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we'll do one more story, and then we'll do an Insta poll about this. It's, All right. So uh, everyone, please to be going to rickemerson.com. I just spat chocolate on my microphone. It's 503-733-3970. Uh, yeah, rickemerson.com. Uh, you go there right now. You can see a photograph of, and I must stress that this is, this is Timmy Ryan's official CBS radio. This isn't like candid shot that we somehow got like National Enquirer style. This is his official CBS radio photograph. All right, let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll do an Insta poll. I'll give you a choice. We want to talk about Friends or REO Speedwagon. Uh, Friends, the show? Yes. REO Speedwagon. All right, here we go. REO, Speedba REO Speedwagon wants to help those battling the floods in the nation's heartland. FlyDaily.com says the group is staging a benefit to help with recovery efforts. Band frontman and Illinois native Kevin Cronin notes that he feels, quote, a deep loyalty and responsibility to do whatever he can to help out his Midwestern brothers and sisters in their time of extreme need, end quote. He notes that he and his bandmates, quote, can't be there filling sandbags, but we can rock, They could end quote. <laughs> That's stupid. First of all, you could be there filling sandbags, you just won't. Because they're lazy and they're probably hot. You know what? Steve Buscemi could have been there digging out of an 11, so he was. Yeah. Are you a speed wagon? Could be there, they're just... They're just, what are they doing? They they can't be there. They can what? Rock? They can rock. That's also not true, by the way. So apparently they can neither fill sandbags nor rock. <gasps> Speaking of rock, oh my God, OMG. Ha have you heard the Please new... Do not say that. Have you heard the new Night Ranger single? There's a new Night Ranger Jesus, single? Jesus, it's bad. It's so bad. How it's, come you haven't played it? Uh, because I didn't know if it was bad enough to play on the air. Um... The court gave it to me. I walked in the court's like, dude, check this out. And then, like, but everybody throughout the day came by my office to be like, Paddock came out. He's like, hear that new Night Ranger? Fat boy came out. Hear that new Night Ranger? It's so bad. I'll bring it down. I don't know if it's on the flight today. Maybe tomorrow. It's um, it's just terrible. Uh, And I kept forgetting. This is the thing. I, I listened. Court hands me the new Night Ranger signal. I walk up to my office. I listen to it. And it takes me about 10 seconds to go, like, well, this is terrible. Uh, and then the song finishes. I walk downstairs. And I walked over to Court's desk and I go, hey, that new single by... And, and I'd forgotten. For the life of me, I couldn't remember if it was Night Ranger or Sticks. It took me the walk from my office to Court's desk, which is about 30 feet, to even forget who the band was. And I said, is that Sticks? And he goes, no, 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 Night Ranger. And I said, I oh, Night Ranger. Boy, it's terrible. It's awful. So uh, anyway, we were having this whole discussion about corporate rock the other day. Um, and bands that sort of personify corporate rock. Night Ranger's right up there. I would also say uh, Aria Speedwagon fits that bill, by the way. Although Take It on the Run is a great song. You can't do worse. You, I mean, you, I mean, Take It on the Run. You can't bust on that. That's a great pop song. You know who's still putting out music, unfortunately? Toto. 
Oh, yeah. No, Toto's one of those. You know, they're all studio musicians. That's why they're so bland. Oh, yeah. They I mean, were, that's uh, Boss Gags' band. Yeah, band. I mean, sing a singularly uh, bland band. Though they had Africa's a kick-ass song, though. No, it's not, though. See, Africa's you... a great song. It's not. So you say that, though, and then you go back and listen to it, and it's just insufferably It's dull. in my iPod, and I listen to it every day when I run. Really? Yeah, I love that song. I miss the rain down in Africa. Africa. Yeah. I can't, right. I can't hit those notes. To me, Toto sort of. We like, need to play our Obama Rama song today too. Oh, that's a great idea. We should do it live. No, <laughs> <laughs> we should never do it live. Uh, well, it doesn't matter to me. I don't sing on it. <clears throat> no. Um, <laughs> okay. By the way, so Timmy, Ryan, and I are trying to get because Friday is our Christmas in July show, and we'll do Ebenezer. I barely knew her beyond the Christmas. Uh, we are trying to get a Christmas, another Christmas, small Christmas project done. And I'm going to try to work on that a little bit when I get off the air today, and then hopefully maybe have it done for Friday. Did you like that song? Yeah, I'm hoping that'll work. I think I that gotta, will work. Yeah, i got to kind of hack it together a little bit. Nobody so. knows what the hell we're talking about. No, that's a, that'll all be revealed. Um, all right. Well, you should bring in your iPod tomorrow. Okay. You know the i is... I mean, we have Timmy for two more days. Huh? Totally. Uh, because the Onion, and I'll just say flat out, this is stolen from the Onion, the Onion newspaper... They do, because they have some serious writing, they do, you know, sort of straight-ahead journalism, and they do this, this, this one thing that they have an AV column that's really good. But one of the little features they do is it's called, I forget what it's called, it's like the iPod Shuffle something or other. But the deal is they bring in sort of celebrities or quasi-celebrities, and you have to go through your iPod on Shuffle, and you have to, and they just list the first five songs that come up on Shuffle, and they're like, no skipping, no cheating, no lying. Like, you bring in your iPod, you hit shuffle, and then, like, what are the first five songs that come up when you put your whole iPod on shuffle, the whole thing? And then the celebrities will list the five songs. So we should do it with you tomorrow. All right. All right. Sounds good. Uh, all right. Let's do I Lied. Let's do one more, and then we'll do this Insta poll. Uh, the question is, uh, what is the one word that describes Timmy Ryan's official CBS uh, press photograph, which you can see at rickemerson.com? All right. Let's do one more here. Okay. Watermelon has Viagra-like effects. Turns out watermelon may be the natural Viagra. Sex, uh, I almost said sexentist, but I meant to say scientist. That's not a word. Well, because you had scientists, Texas A&M University, I'm already thinking about sex, so everything just kind of got miscompobbled there. Let's try it again. Scientists at Texas A&M University say the fruit has ingredients that deliver Viagra-like effects to the body's blood vessels. One researcher says the ingredients can relax blood vessels like erectile dysfunction medications. Okay. All right. What about the seeds? What is that? You're giving a you're giving a weird look over there. No, I couldn't tell if he was breathing or laughing because I can't really see his face. You do that. Like... You do that thing where you kind of snort through your nose uh, sometimes. You uh, do too. At your what? You snort all the time. No, I snort really loudly though. My snort is really sort of. You kind of do a. It almost sounds like you're hyperventilating a little bit. Because what's going on in my head cannot be said on the air. So uh, I see. So it's not that you're laughing at your own jokes as such, which is fine. We all do that. But you're actually laughing at at jokes. So there's like a whole separate set of jokes going on in your head at the same time? Pretty much. Excellent. Good for you. X-rated. All right. Uh, it's now time for the Rick Emerson Instapol. Uh, you are looking at Tim Ryan's uh, official CBS press photograph at rickemerson.com. Right now, we are looking for the one word that describes Timmy Ryan's press photograph, which can be seen at <laughs> rickemerson.com. See? That's what I'm saying. Uh, hello. Hi, Rick Emerson Instapol. What one word describes Timmy Ryan's press photograph? Well, I need a word and an adjective. One would be amateur magician, like he's trying to mesmerize you, like kind of distract you away from his hands that are doing something else. Okay, you know what? We'll expand or, it to one phrase. Yeah. Can I just, uh, if I got to narrow it down to one word, I'd say Vulcan. <laughs> okay. Like David Copperfield? I, I can totally see the Vulcan thing, by the way. 
Yeah, with those sideburns that are like totally like Vulcan-like. Yeah. If he just had some pointed ears, he'd be like Spock's son. Yeah, no, I can see that. All right, thank you, sir. Yeah. Now, Timmy, you're not allowed to get offended. Remember how he gets a little mouthy and a little like defensive? Don't be defensive. We're all going to have fun, Timmy. Yeah, we're all... You said that you put that up there because we could talk about it. Keep it on the positive tip. Uh, all right, so yeah, we will broaden that actually to one phrase if you want. The question is, what one phrase describes Timmy Ryan's official press photograph, which you can see at RickEmerson.com. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hey, uh, how much watermelon did Timmy eat before I took that picture? <laughs> all right. I don't, I don't need watermelon. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> My saliva is Viagra. Don't, why would you ever say that? My saliva is Viagra. Mm, I just swallow my saliva and... Uh, Magic happens. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. All right. It's 503-733-2970 for the love of Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. I can say uh, two things. Wanted poster or registered sex offender. Coming to your neighborhood soon. Thank you, sir. All right. You know the other thing we can do that we won't do here? Uh, we could do uh, we could do the uh, caption this photo contest as well. Uh Sarah Dillon, I'm looking at you with your Do blog. I get a prize for this? No. I'm on it. Your prize is uh your prize is humiliation. Yes, that's exactly what it is. I'm just gonna try to come up with something more positive, but really no, it's caption. Uh, yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Is it me? Yes it is. Hello, sir. Hey, if it's just one word, it's gonna have to be douche. <laughs> and oh. if it were two if, words if, if it was two words it'd be douche and bag. <laughs> <laughs> See, thank you. <laughs> See, when I asked that follow-up question, I secretly knew that's what he was going to say. I'm tracing your phone number. Uh, hi, you're on, the, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, um, I just saw the picture, and wow. Uh, all I can say is it's creepy and it's kooky and altogether ooky. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. Uh, we'll do one more bank of calls here. It's the Instapoll. Uh, we're looking for you to describe in one or two words Timmy Ryan's official CBS press photo. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. <laughs> Thank you. Um, three more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Describe Timmy Ryan's press photo. All I can think of is Yoda in a real creepy way saying, you know, when uh, Luke Skywalker says, I'm not afraid, and he just looks at him and says, you will be. You will be. And then the sound of duct tape ripping. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Pleased to be describing Timmy Ryan's press photo. Columbine. Thank you. Final call. Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Pleased to be describing Timmy Ryan's press photo. Huh. Wow. <laughs> okay, done and done. We'll go out on that one. Thank you, sir. All right, and if, have you put that up at SarahXDillon.com? Yep, I'm just linking to his MySpace page right now. All right, so uh, you can go to SarahXDillon.com and you can caption Timmy Ryan's press photograph. He may pretend he doesn't like the attention, but he does. Uh, all right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do some more news. And then today's top five, top five album-ending cuts that aren't a day in the life. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Excellent. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, if you would like to uh, caption Tim Ryan's publicity photo, you can do that at SarahXDillon.com. They're apparently already pouring in. By the way, Bridget from upstairs says, uh, I can see this picture portraying the station well on TV if Tim commits any sort of crime in the future. That's exactly the photo they'll use, too. And they won't say a local radio station. They'll say, like, you know, they'll, they'll say, you know, AM 970. Okay, here's the thing. That, my uh -huh. aunt. All right. 
that picture is like one from like 20 pictures state. I think that you should post all no. the pictures and show and let anyone judge if any of them are less creepy than that one. They're all sort of variations on the theme. You liked one of them, didn't you, Sarah? Well, comparatively. I mean, relatively, <laughs> relatively speaking, I suppose. Uh, let's see this one. We'll just do two more of these. I think they just chin up and you'd be okay. Chin up. I was trying to give. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, I don't really know if there's one thing you. I mean, it seems to be a. There just seems to be sort of a uh, a gloomy uh, sort of vibe. Nine in the morning, somewhat hungover. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, the let's person see. had the funniest captions. Mitchell Bickford, age, age 23. Completely. Or Southeast Powell Street area driveway pooper arrested. <laughs> uh, Rick, about Timmy Ryan's photo. One word to describe it. Bludgeon. One phrase to describe it. Uncle Filthy Hands. <laughs> what does that mean, Uncle Filthy Hands? I think we all know what it means. Um, anyway, um, this, and this one finally. Timmy is lying about the photographer telling him to make that face in the photo. Every single picture in his MySpace profile has the same chin-down, menacing, I'm-gonna-eat-your-spleen look. I think we all agree that Timmy isn't a bad-looking guy, but the face-slash-pose he has in all of his pictures is what I see in my nightmares. He's backed into the shadows in the corner of my room, watching me sleep and slowly licking his lips. Was that a girl who, or a guy who said that? Uh... Why is it true in some in one of those eventualities? Well, is it true? Well, I just want to find out because they said I was a good-looking uh, guy. That's from a man. It's from a man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you know, so you're an attractive man, but maybe these photographs don't necessarily capture your specific elan. That's I, all I'm I told you being being in front of a uh, background, having my picture taken at nine, the, nine <laughs> in the morning, it's not my natural environment. You know? Yes. Well. Okay. Whatever. If you'd like to caption this, you can go to sarahxdillon.com. What are the uh, what are the stories you might be favoring us uh, here with uh, Timmy Ryan? Well, ABC won the most Merle Awards. However, CBS, our fine company, and Katie Couric got the nod for Best Newscast. Really? I swear to God. Well, that's but these are the Merle Awards? Well, I continue. Wait, hold on. So the Merle Awards, is that a CBS-only award? No. It's, well, because ABC Oh, because ABC yeah. won. And they're for excellence in broadcasting. Wow. Apparently, they got, you know, excellence and most expensive newscast. I mean, and <laughs> I was... Big stuff. And it really is sort of, I mean, I... Uh, I mean, I guess if the Murrow Awards, the CBS has to win something. Like, it would just see, it would be, how wrong would that be if the Murrow Awards went to just a bunch of, like, other networks? So, and Katie Couric at Best Newscast? You know, well, every Walmart needs its greeters, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that really is true. You know, the thing is, that doesn't make any sense, but I know exactly what you mean. Like, it, it perfectly sums it up. All right, excellent. All the kids in the Special Olympics get medals, Rick. <sighs> there, are no, uh, there are no losers here today, just different shades of win. Let's read more about Vern Troyer, shall we? Yes, let's. Yeah. Oh, but did I mention that Taboo, uh, Tom from Taboo Booty is going to be dropping that off on Tuesday? And Tom, I hate that if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I still haven't watched the Jimi Hendrix sex tape that you dropped How off. How does Minnie Me have sex? I mean, is it just maybe, kind of... maybe? That's horrible. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm mean, laughing. I mean, it's funny. It's just horrible. Um. No, no it's, don't don't talk about those kind of things. You know what I mean. I, mean, I was just trying to figure out how many me had sex. The mechanics. Okay, okay. I was, yeah. I, I, yes, I, you were speculating. Out. Yes, I understand. Right. Anyway, uh, if you want to watch, if you want to watch the Hendrix thing, I'll bring it in because I haven't. I and I, again, I, I apologize. Tom was nice enough to, to drop it off, and I just haven't uh, had time to watch it. But uh, it's still sealed. I haven't seen it. But it, uh, they claim in the back, like full on, like this is Jimi Hendrix. Do you know what you can call the porno? Instead of all along the watchtower. Seriously, am I going to bleep you again for the second time? <laughs> Timmy, no. Let's, seriously, let's, no, no, no. 
No. No. We've only got 40 seconds of delay. Let's do uh, one more, and then we'll do the top five. All right. Uh, so the woman in the sex tape featuring Vern Troyer, best known for his role in Austin Powers movies, says she allowed celebrity website TMZ to broadcast snippets of the tape. Troyer's ex-girlfriend, named Renee Schreider, signed a declaration filed in federal court in L.A. stating the tape was created with her video camera. Her statement prompted a judge to allow TMZ to reinstate a post featuring snippets of the tape. Uh, I never understand the legality of that because, like, I think as Tommy Lee noted, because they were there, because I, mean, I think Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson, that was the first sort of modern celebrity sex tape. And I think Tommy Lee was, his whole thing was like, you know, they, 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 they like got stolen out of a safe the size of a refrigerator. So he didn't understand how it could be legally right, but sold. This, this always happens where, of course, they, they kind of mask it as, oh, the tape was stolen and not supposed to be up on there. But, of course, you know, underneath it all, Probably the deal was struck a long time ago. This is just part of a whole little conspiracy to drum up, I don't know, drum up the word on the street. I guess. And, and Bern Troyer probably, probably had the money in his bank account. Boy, and ago. boy, did you ever see that horrifying, that Fred Durst sex tape? Really? He had one? Oh, yeah. And I watched it like an idiot. I Who mean, hasn't he had sex with Somebody him? sent me the link. They're like, hey, check out this video of this Fred Durst sex tape. And I'm like... Yeah, there was a Fred Durst sex tape. I, and I watched it like a moron. And it's just, you know, and at one point, the best part, and by best, I mean most revolting... It is like, you know, it's a little handheld, like, mini camera, whatever you call it now. It's a little, little tiny handy cam. And he's engaging in this act with this woman. And then I swear to God, there's, a, there's a, a moment where he actually just turns the camera around. And he's like, you know, in his own face and just giving it the whole, and he does the whole, like, chin lift. The, yeah, I'm the man. And, you know, and it's just, it's so he can film his own face. It just giving, like, the smug frat boy, look at me, kind of thing. It's yeah. just, it was so awful in so many lives. And the girl was hot. That's the thing. Just, you know, that's why, it really, they're just, this whole world is just... I'm getting emails from listeners who are listening on the live stream, and they're like, damn, I love the live stream, and then they repeated what Timmy Ryan said. Unedited. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, who wants to do the top five? Five, four, okay, here we go. three, two, one, fire. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Wow, 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 wow. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, he's Timmy Ryan with today's top five. All right. And as the album era draws to a close, we discuss the dynamic of albums themselves drawing to a close. The album-ending cut is pondered, considered, and agonized over by band and artists wishing to end things on exactly the right note. Join us now as we count down these, the top five album ending cuts of all time. So these are the top five album ending songs, not counting a day in the life. Okay. We just had to take off the list. Honorable mention goes to From Let It Bleed, The Rolling Stones, and You Can't Always Get What You Want. Really? This only gets honorable mention? Uh, you know, it's, what do you... this would be like number one or two for me. You read, you don't comment. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you are allowed to get... A bar that Timmy Ryan and I actually hang out at... Um, Plays a song all the time. I love hearing this. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it, but the problem is with these lists. Out of the thousands of songs recorded, you got to narrow it down to six, and it's just difficult. Once you get into the top five, it's so difficult. To, the ordering is always the toughest part. And you know what? Here's the other tough part about doing a top five. It's the ordering, and it's the what is that seventh song that almost made it on but didn't. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. Okay. Um, I right. mean, there's, there's nothing you can say about this. There's nothing bad you can say about the song. It's genius. Song. It's fantastic. And this is, I think, my, probably my favorite Stones record too. I think "Let It Let It Bleed" is probably Let the best Bleed Stones good. record. It's just, and it's, 
And it's such a great uh, song, too, because Let It Bleed is such a dark album in so many ways. Uh, and, that, you know, because it starts, it has that Gimme Shelter, and then it's got, um, you know, it's got Monkey Man. No, is, or is that on Sticky Fingers? I got Sticky Fingers. Sticky Fingers. Yeah. But it's just got so much, you know, it just got so much texture to it, and then it ends on this way. So you, you really don't, you can't find a bigger soaring ending high note to a record than this. Okay. And I always think of the big chill, of course, when I hear this now, but it's just a great song. And by the way, it's the only good rock song ever to have a French horn in it. That's not true. What else? No, there's been, uh, there's been rock songs with French horns. Hold on here. Uh, there, there is a good song with a French horn in it. I mean, there's one at the beginning of this where it's a... At the beginning of this song. And maybe oh, no. God only knows. A French horn, really? I'm pretty sure that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. God only knows, yeah. Okay, there you see? go. All right. The Jew, see? Here we go. Talking about music. These are the top five album ending cuts of all time. All right, now we get to the real list. <laughs> From Zeppelin 4, When the Levee Breaks. That's awesome. This, seriously, I'm a huge Zeppelin fan, but... I, I think that I really have... It's so hard to pick a best Zeppelin song or a ten best Zeppelin songs. I think, really, this is probably my favorite Zeppelin song of all time, though. I'm not fortunate to get really drunk and listen to this. It's so good. It's And, you know, the thing about Zeppelin, too, that doesn't really get talked about enough is their production values. Because if you listen to a lot of music from slightly before the Zeppelin era, like the Beatles are a good example, a certain era of Beatles anyway, you listen to a lot of that rock, and it sounds sort of tinny or reedy. Whereas Zeppelin songs are full sounding. And it's not just the bottom end, it's just the fullness to the sound. And that was all about Page and his distance, his depth thing of, you know, miking the room in all kinds of different ways. You know what's something else I was thinking about the other day with this? It's kind of how well the band's getting along together. Like, they're really into it. They're totally. creative. They're like, they're hanging out. I mean, with the Beatles, they were just basically doing it because they had to fulfill, you know, album obligations. Right. And they knew they had to. That was it. I mean, they weren't even talking to each other. Talk more into the mic. Yeah, so we're right. good. We lose you because of the side. It's right. that mic has gone. The mic has gone all weirdly omnidirectional on us. So I want to talk like this. Yes. Is this the best way? Yeah, probably. Just, to, just kind of try to stay on it. If you got to decide, we're losing. I'm gonna have, to have Matt look at that. But I mean, you know, and the great thing about this is, is it's just somebody called this song "Stairway to Hell" because it was just this seven, seven minute epic that was just endless thousand steps down into darkness. Cool phasing on it too. I mean, yeah. I mean, and it just. And, you know, the weird thing is this is actually a cover. This is a cover of a song by Memphis Minnie, which is just a pretty much a straight-ahead, you know, 12-bar blues song, I think. And then you hear this, and they have just warped it into this completely other... I mean, it's not structured like a traditional blues song, but it's... It, boy, it really just feels, you know, like the blues. It just has that great sense of darkness and gloom to it, just like some weird midnight train to hell. Well, since it's a blues song, maybe they'll play it at the Waterfront Blues Festival. Coming maybe. this weekend. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, me, Ryan. Let me get my Hawaiian shirt. Rocky by Safeway. These are the top five album ending cuts of all time. All right. From uh, Nirvana's. Wait, hold on. I'm going to find this here. Okay, yes, go ahead. Well, I'm going to read it how you spell it. From Unlugged. <laughs> Unlugged. <laughs> did I really write that? I from, did. From Unlugged. Let's hear it for me. It's, it's Nirvana, Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Another cover, right? Yeah, this yeah. is a Lead Belly song. Yeah. God, what a great song this is. We played this a lot on KUFO. I am, uh, 
for the many, many mixed feelings I have about Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, I have this, this unplugged album is really good. It is pretty good. Yeah. Start to finish, it is good. My girl, don't lie me. And it just builds and builds, and it has that cello that comes in. And I'll skip ahead here in a moment to get to the end where he just scream. You know what he could really do is scream. He really had a good scream on him. And this song kind of almost defines the early 90s of people, the grunge generation just mopey and down and living in Seattle and rainy and pissed off. And it has a palpable real sense of menace to it. Right. I mean... And I think this is actually, I mean, unless you count compilations and live albums or whatever, I mean, it's kind of cool that this is the final, this is the last thing we ever heard from this guy. Let me uh, skip ahead here to the... uh, gunshot. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, uh... And the great thing is they go they go through this whole final chorus and then they just do they just do they go through the whole progression again as an instrumental with the cello almost as the lead instrument. Yeah, it's just beautiful. It's just just a fantastic song. All right, kind of the top five album ending cuts of all time. This is the one I, I most agree with, by the way. It's uh, from the Doors, the end. Mm, why is this not playing? Oh, I'm sorry, and I'm proud of you because I know you're not the biggest Doors fan, but that's very it's very respectful. Can't take anything true. away from this. That's a great song. And it just builds. And again, another song. You know what I like? I like songs that start somewhere and they end somewhere completely different, but it's a logical progression. And a song that begins as one kind of a song, and it's like Stairway to Heaven, I guess is the, the cliche example, or Day in the Life or whatever. And it's every step is sort of correct, but where it ends and where it begins are just two totally different places. And so it is with this. And, you know, I recognize The Doors as an important band, even if I'm not a big fan. And they're a rite of passage band, too. You know, everybody kind of walks through, you forgive the pun, walks through that sort of, you know, that time, that, that, that doorway at some point. And extra points for being included in the apocalypse now. This is the end, beautiful friend. would be a good joint song. This is the end. I'm sure it has been. You're the first person to think of that. You know, this would be great if I was high. By the way, you can tell that this song, you can tell the demographic this song sometimes appeals to. I'm playing this off a YouTube video, and it's just nothing but slideshow pictures of skulls. (laughs) It's just nothing but skeletons. All right, counting on the top five album-ending songs of all time. Okay, it's now Queen from uh, Innuendo. The show must go on. Another good, another good selection. Man, how great is this? This is such a great song, and of course, it's impossible to to view it any other way than through the prism of Freddie Mercury dying. And I'm fairly, I unlike Who Wants to Live Forever, this he did. I mean, he was nearing the end of his life when he sang this. What are we living for? Abandoned places. I guess we know. 
Well, for a guy who's like weak and frail, he sure can sing. Man. Oh man, he just—they tell these great heart-wrenching stories. Uh, they tell these great stories about him being in the studio so weak that he could he could barely stand, and just grabbing grabbing the mic and just like belting this song out, and then the song would be done and he would just collapse onto the onto the floor. Mm. Does anybody want to take it anymore? Ugh, just kills me. I think I'll sing it at this at karaoke next time. So great. That's the best. That's how he'd want to be remembered. Let's uh, count down the top five album ending cuts of all time. All right, big finish. Another good pick. From Dark Side yeah. Pink Floyd, Eclipse. Well, I knew if this I was the one that I was yeah, mouthing to. Yeah, I mean, there's no way you can get around this. Oh, All right. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back to wrap things up. I better stay right there. Why, hello. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Coming up at 3, Tom Likas, Michael Maris Show at 7. Uh, join us tomorrow. What is tomorrow, Thursday? Sure is. And I guess we'll include no one. All right. Uh, all right, well, we got two minutes here. What should we... Uh... What shall we talk about? Oh, you know, shall tomorrow... we take random telephone? Let's call? do that. If you would like to sneak on for the end of the show, now's your chance to do it. It's 503-733-2970. In the meantime, in between time, I'll remind you that the 2008 Safeway Waterfront Blues Festival and Fireworks Display just around the corner, happening July 4th. Fireworks begin at 10 05 p.m. after the final performance of the night in the National Anthem. A $10 donation and two cans of non-perishable food. We'll get you in the kink.fm and Hoffman Construction Fireworks Show presented by Portland Parks uh, and Recreation. Oh, tomorrow, this is the other thing. So tomorrow we will talk a little bit more to Richie about his Vegas trip because I got some email. I got sp- some specific questions uh, uh, from listeners about that. And tomorrow we'll do the, um, uh, let's see, a listener submitted top five. I forget exactly the title, but it's going to be the top five songs featuring whistling. So there you go. Maybe oh. Top five songs featuring whistling. Uh, I'm thinking of Peter Bjorn. Um, right now. Is it, wait, what is that, uh, the, the whistling one? I don't know. Never mind, go ahead. What? Look over there. Who? Look over here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson hi. Show. Hello. <laughs> is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Yeah, I just want to say that I think Timmy Ryan's picture looks like Glenn Danzig's retarded half-brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Bye. Mother! Hi, you're, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, hi. Uh, you guys were talking about Red Dawn the other day? Yes. Uh, did you know about the Patrick Swayze snot bubble in that? The Patrick what, huh? Uh, Patrick Swayze, there's a scene where he blows this, like, uh, the size of a quarter, like a big snot bubble. Ew. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen that? It's pretty funny. I, I, maybe I missed it. Uh, maybe uh, on, maybe if I get it on Blu-ray, though, it'll be ever so visible and crystal clear. All right. Best show ever. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I don't you think we do can more. We really... can't end with salt. I don't think. Uh, I don't think we can really. No, okay, we have nothing. Sure no, I got nothing. So, all right. I think we'll go out on the. We'll go out on the snot bubble. 
Ew. Uh, I'm sorry. I just, well, we can try. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Hey. Uh, I don't like that name, The Talker. Thanks. That was a much I, I better idea. Yes. I got a better idea, and it involves the word big. I, I, think I have a great time. idea. Goodbye. <laughs> Wait. Well done. Uh, well, I always like to show and end the show in kind of a uh, sort of a thing. <laughs> Timmy Ryan, uh, back tomorrow and so forth. Insert the ending of the show right here, my friends. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Watch out for snakes. And we'll see you all uh, tomorrow. Like is next. Bye now.